warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 342. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking It's a trap. Gonna toss it, gonna take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's mix it, paint, erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Are sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the boss to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, five four, three, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're the leftovers. leftovers. Yeah. That we are, sir. Yes, yes, we are. We make that declaration every week. Yeah, proudly. Pro- oh, proudly. Yes, sir. Proudly. <laughs> Jake, I, I got nothing. I got... <laughs> <laughs> I proudly have nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Can't really go... You know what? I, I Honestly, listeners, I, I think you're you're in for a treat this week. And... I'm not talking about the episode, Jake. I'm just making a bold prediction about our listeners' upcoming week. Nice. I think nice. they're going to have a, a treat, a sweet treat. A, a, possibly, it could be a sweet treat. What was that noise? Did you hear I that? Don't know. It sounded like a computer booting up. I, I, maybe our guest was beamed up by the aliens. <laughs> oh my god! Hey, Tristan, welcome. Hey, good to be back, you guys, and I'm excited about discussing Tenet. Oh, God. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No Tenet. Yeah, this was supposed to be the week where we talked about Tenet, and then, and then that got pushed back to two more weeks, and then it got pushed back to two more weeks. Who knows? Who knows when the fuck we're getting Tenet? Yeah, yeah, have you read these articles? Where they have to make like over eight hundred million now to like make a return on it. Yeah, there's no way if it comes out not even on August twelfth if cinemas aren't open and in, in the you know in the big cities that they're gonna that that's gonna happen. I, I think Nolan just needs to kind of like uh, put down the gloves on this one, and uh, I know he's trying to be the guy that saves movie theaters, but I think he needs to put down the gloves, wave the white towel of surrender. 
and just uh, the white flag, the white towel, throw in the towel. I, I'm getting them all confused, Jake. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think he just needs to, I, man, I think I under, I know, I love what he's, he, what he's passionate about, that he's trying to keep movies, theaters alive. But my God, uh, we need to keep people alive right <laughs> people now. People alive, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck. It's time to debut that shit on Peacock next to Psych 2 at this point. Right. Hey, I, I don't have, like, I tried to get Peacock on, uh, Roku. It's not there. Uh, and then I tried to see if I could get Peacock on my PS4, and uh no, not happening. I got HBO Max on my PS4, but no Peacock. So I can't – I'm not watching any of the Peacock shows. And I'm sure it's not fucking, like, downloading that shit on my phone. I'm not watching – fuck this quibbing bullshit, <laughs> all right? I didn't know it was that much of a to-do with Peacock. I, um, I've um i got Apple TV, and Apple's available on that on day one. It is, yeah. Yeah, I don't have an Apple TV, so – um, I did back in the day. I had an Apple TV. I had the Apple TV too. I just gave it to somebody. I was being nice. It was a jailbroken one. I, I was watching everything on that thing, Jake. That was years ago. Oh yeah. When you, when you jailbreak one of those, it really opens that shit up. Oh my God. You can watch anything. I was watching, I was watching the old Dungeons and Dragons cartoon it. on something called Ice Films. Like they had everything on Ice Films. That's fucking sweet. Yeah, you're not missing much with Peacock. I still want to check out that uh, Brave New World series at some point, but really the only thing I've done is watch about half a dozen old Saved by the Bell episodes, and that's all she wrote. Yeah, that stuff was on Hulu for a long time. I don't, it's probably still not there. It's probably not there anymore, I would imagine. No, I believe it's uh, Peacock exclusive now. Yeah. But yeah, I, always, I thought that was going to be the home of The Office, and none of that's streaming over there yet. It's very mm. light on exclusive fare on Peacock. Mm. Yeah, I think they still have to get out of there office contracts and all that stuff before they can yank them from other services. Yeah, I always thought that was the big sell of Peacock and it's not even there. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh Jesus Christ. This, this whole episode is just light on news. It's like nothing happened this fucking week. I got nothing, Jake. This is, <laughs> this is terrible. This is going to be so bad. So bad, it's good. Oh God, I didn't. I, I, that didn't even work for me, sir. I, I don't know where you're going. It's so bad, it's no, good. I was, I was, I was not being sincere. So you caught me, Tristan. I'm gonna need you on this one, buddy. Yes, sir. I'm gonna need you. <laughs> Jake's, Jake's not making sense right now. I don't know what's going. <laughs> Well, you let everyone know from the get that this is going to be shit. So that's only, true. Only, only can go up from here, right? That's true. Yeah, uh, there's an early disclaimer on this one that if you proceed with the episode, just expect garbage. Don't ex- <laughs> you know what I mean, Jake? I think yeah, I think I've done my due diligence now. Yeah, it's pretty obvious that it's going to be trash. It's going to be crap. It's your own fault if you've gone this far. Every once in a while, you'll dig through the trash and find a treasure. I don't think it's going to be the case this time. No, no, no ET cartridges here. No, nothing on this fucking episode is going to show up on Antique Roadshow. No, no, nobody, <laughs> you know what I mean? Nobody's going to be talking about the value of this one. This is just going to be absolute garbage throughout. So I'm telling you now, just turn it off. Just turn it off. Wait for next week. 
this could be our newest lost episode. In fact, you may not even be hearing this ever. Yeah. Yeah, I might even edit out that fucking thing you said about so bad, so good bullshit, Jake. I might, that might, that might be gone. <laughs> Trying to save, save you the embarrassment, sir. I appreciate it. That's, that's why you're a true friend. <laughs> you just, you back yourself into corners with stupid shit, Jake. Oh, uh, the second I said it, I face bombed. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like you can't, yeah, but through the magic of editing. I can take all that out, Jake. I can take it all out. You can get you you can get your respect back. I think you should edit that out, but still leave in us talking about it happening. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know anymore. What do we? And uh, we got iTunes. We got an iTunes review this week, Jake. Are you ready for this thing? No, always my yeah. favorite part of the show. Yeah, it, it used to be. Here we go, iTunes. It's one star five. We don't give a fuck because we really love to hear just how much we suck. You guys, Chris Dubach, and your host is a jerk. I'm an opinionated asshole whose dick don't work. Yada yada blah blah fuck you too. These are iTunes review. All right, I, we got an iTunes review this week. I almost felt like the segment wasn't even worth it this week. That I was just going to hold on to iTunes reviews for next week until we got another one. But I might as well just get this one out of the way. This is like uh, peeling a scab, Jake. It's like peeling a scab. Wow. It's like getting rid of a scab. What a buildup. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> the title of this one should just be peeling a scab. <laughs> it's titled this podcast dot dot dot. It's five star. Comes from J. Wayne Marr Jr. And again, the title of this podcast, dot, 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 and it goes on to say, in the review itself, is pretty okay, smiley face. There you go, Jake. That's, that, that's it? Yeah, that's our iTunes review this week. Oh, man, that's not much to work with. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> is the smiley face, like, kind of trying to indicate that we're supposed to be in on some joke about that review? I think the smiley face is just supposed to make us feel better about reading this stupid fucking iTunes review. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. If that's the case. It's epic fail. What are you thinking, Tristan? What are you, this iTunes review? I'm thinking this person had something to do and just left you five stars and got the hell out of there. You let us down, sir. Jake, it's all, it's, it's like they don't care as much as I don't care about putting out a good episode this week. <laughs> That's some meta shit. <laughs> I broke a wall there. And like I, just like Christopher Nolan should wave the white flag of surrender. I'm doing it this week, man. I'm telling you. Like I got nothing. This week I am spent. I got nothing. Man, what are we, 15 minutes in this podcast? I've got nine. No, no, nine, nine. <laughs> you can take a cue from We Got This Covered and just start making up shit. <sighs> oh, yeah. Oh, that last review was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I No, I love the fact that it's a five star. I just, I, I just like, you know, like no effort. You know what I mean? Like if, if I was a teacher and I was grading this thing, I'd be like, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, you, maybe you've got potential, but you apply it here. Yeah, 
Yeah, this review is like the worst Mad Libs ever. There's not a single adjective. It's barely even one full sentence. It's, it's bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm, but I'm not even looking for Mad Libs reviews. I'm just looking for something to discuss <laughs> at all. <laughs> is there a punctuation at the end of the sentence? A smiley face, sir. That's not a punctuation, so fail. Yeah. I don't... Someone should do a uh, Mad Libs version of a Pop Culture Leftovers review. That would be pretty funny. We just set up a template for that. Yeah, get on that, people. For <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you minions, create that. Yeah, get on that. They're so motivated, Jake. Just like just like they all participated in the uh, Jaws Blu-ray giveaway. They're they're all over this Mad Libs PCL thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't even have anything to give away to get this done. So yeah, we're we're pretty fucked. How about how about we set realistic expectations? How about we get an iTunes review with two fucking sentences? <laughs> Jeez, I got short of breath just thinking about it. Oh my god! I can log on right now and just write one for you guys. Yeah, it'll take it'll take forever to show up. <laughs> I don't want to hear all the click clacking from you typing. Either. Have you have you written a review from us for us? You know. Okay, so check this. I wrote a review like maybe like two years ago. Yeah. But I didn't realize that they deleted if you have a bunch of F bombs in it. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna have to get back in there and fucking. Yeah, they do. They come through them. They yeah. come through them pretty quick. Yeah, so I just never rewrote it or anything like that, but I did try to leave one. I spilt fucking margarita all over myself. <laughs> I heard the liquid coming out. <laughs> it dribbled all. I, I look like a fucking toddler over here drinking out of a sippy cup. It's fucking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got God, thanks, thanks for the iTunes review. Thank you for all the um, fun banter that ensued after that one. Um, I got an email here from Jason Pravat. Hey, Brian, I just wanted to thank you for inspiring me to start my podcast after a number of years in the Leftover Army. And hearing the other great podcasts in addition to PCL, I decided to make one. If you have the chance, I would love your feedback on my first episode. I will be interviewing super fans about their geekdoms they are fans of. I am not looking for you to read this email on PCL or promote my podcast on the show or anything. I would just love some constructive criticism on what I could do to improve. You, you're asking me, have you listened to the last fucking 12 minutes? Have you listened to the last 12 minutes of this pile of shit? I have nothing. Um, you and Jake have created a fan base that really has shaped not only my entertainment, but also my friendships over the past few years. And sent me a link to his podcast. I, I listened to a good chunk of it. Uh, I haven't finished it yet, but uh, it's called Fanning the Geekdom. And it's about his love for L. Fanning and Dakota Fanning. And, um, ah, that joke didn't land. Um, anyway, moving on. Uh, no, it's, he talked in the first, in the first episode. What if they strike, they, they start a podcast and they want to call it the same thing, Jake? You think this guy's got to give up his fucking, his podcast title? I, I think maybe not legally, but just to get listeners, I think all traffic is going to be directed to the, uh, Dakota and, yeah, was it Ella Fanning? L. L Fanning, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's in trouble. I can tell you're a super fan of both those girls. I know, I know. I've not <laughs> listened to the pilot episode yet. Which Fanning is more powerful right now? I'd say L. Yeah. Dakota kind of dropped Dakota off. Dakota started off, right? Yeah, she was like the, uh, Mary Kate and Ashley. And then all of a sudden now it's all the, uh, Elizabeth Olsen. 
Right. Yeah. Kind of went that direction for her, Dakota. She was relegated to doing those Twilight films there for a while. Yeah. Which are still popular, but I'm just saying, like, she was doing, like, huge movies when she was, like, a little kid. Well, she was great in uh, Man on Fire. Oh, I love Man on Fire. Oh, I fucking love that movie so much. Yeah. Denzel was a badass in that fucking movie. Oh, hell yeah. God, I loved it. I loved What was that scene under, like, that bridge or something like that? Didn't he set, like, a fucking car on fire? He fucked those guys yeah. up. Oh, God, I fucking love that. Yeah, the slow walk away from the explosion. Oh, thing. so badass. Oh, God, Denzel was so badass in that movie. Like, I don't, like, I love Training Day, but I fucking love Man on Fire. There's something about that relationship, like, the love he had for that little girl. And, like, mm-hmm. just wanting to fucking get her back. I, I fucking loved it. I, I thought that movie's so good. You ever seen that movie, Jake? Man on Fire? I have not. What the fuck are you doing with your life, sir? I don't know. I don't know. Listening to Fanning Podcast. You're not. You're not. You're not. You're not. I'm t- it's a great, great fucking movie, Man on Fire. Great fucking movie. <laughs> Who else is in that besides Denzel? Anyone else big? I can't, I can't remember. Uh, is, uh, is, is, what's it, is, 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 is Rene Russo in that? I don't know. Uh, I gotta look that up. Oh, I love Renee Russo. Was it? She was in so many movies when we were kids and just kind of disappeared. For was it Jennifer Lopez's husband in that? Her, which one? Her ex? Yeah, which one? <laughs> oh god. Uh, let's see. Yeah, fucking. Let's move on. No, I listen. I listen to a good chunk of just um just keep at it. I think. Uh, I think. What they, uh, the only the only thing I can tell podcasters to do is just just don't quit. You just got to keep going. You get better as you go. Unlike this episode. Um, but you just, you, you do, you just get better as you go. It just gets easier to talk. But I mean, you couldn't have picked a better guest for your first episode. It was Dan Hepner talking about his love for Kaiju and, you know, past guest Dan Hepner. He's like a fucking encyclopedia when it comes to fucking Kaiju. So listen to Fanning the Geekdom on iTunes and everywhere else. I don't think it was, I, w- I don't think it was on my podcast addict or whatever the fuck, pocket cast or whatever the fuck I use. But still, listen to it. Fanning the geekdom. Fanning the geekdom. Yeah. I sounded confident there. (laughs) 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 If you like what you're hearing, you can vote for us in the Podcast Awards. Go to www.podcastawards.com. And voting started on July 1st. You can nominate us in People's Choice category and in TV and film. And we have teamed up with another podcast, the Steve and Kyle podcast. And so you can vote for them in comedy and help them out. And they are telling their listeners to vote for us in TV and film. So it would be greatly appreciated. So if you do that, let us know that you voted for us. And we are, we're not, we're not going to win, Jake. Oh, yeah. But I appreciate Thank God we're not in the comedy category, though. Oof. Oh, God. <laughs> Zero of that going. Do you see Gwyneth Paltrow's got a new candle? Did you see oh, the new no. candle? What's it smell like? The last one smelled like her vagina. And now she's got a new candle. This smells like my orgasm. And if you look at the box of the candle, how much, guess how much this fucking candle is, number one? Uh, $125. Wrong. It's lower than that. $80. Eh, a little bit lower. 75 75 bucks for this fucking candle. Oh, damn. I almost said $1. <laughs> you would have won. Price is right <laughs> rules. Um, but uh, on the box itself, it's got, it's got fireworks exploding on the box. Like, that's <laughs> that's an orgasm, is fireworks. The explosion, our bodies exploding. 
beautiful. So it's she, a beautiful thing. So she essentially saying that this is the smell of her discharge or like what the, what's going on here? Yeah. Yeah. This is, that's, uh, it's what her orgasm smells like. Uh, what do you, uh, does it, I don't really think, do you think that, I mean, it's just gotta be like, they gotta add like other, it's, it's gonna be like jasmine and lavender and all like raspberry. It's not gonna be fucking, it's not gonna smell like her orgasm. <laughs> no. She probably bought a bunch of sandalwood candles on discount sale at a warehouse and just called it that. Yeah. She went to 75 y- bucks a pop. Yankee candle and just fucking, yeah. Rip them off, and she's selling it and saying this smells like her orgasm. Yeah. I mean, the vagina one sold out in hours, so. It did. It did. That's ridiculous. Like, I don't know. If you had, like, if you had your own candle, what would it be, Jake? What would you make it smell like? Something that your hmm. body does. Hmm. I, I have no idea. Maybe chili farts. This smells like my chili fart? You don't want to sell a single candle, do you? <laughs> It'll sell on name alone. I bet. I bet Paltrow could sell out if she did chili fart. Candles. It smells like my chili farts. <laughs> yeah, but it's Gwyneth Paltrow, Jake. You got to. You, you, <laughs> you said signature smell, and it was the only thing that came to mind. <laughs> I'm going to release "Ass and Foot" by Tristan Brown. <laughs> oh man, a combo! <laughs> it's got two different wicks. Yeah, he's it not. Might. He's not holding back. It's got two different sides. You know what I mean? It's like the, it's like the combo box of the cereal. Like on one side you get Captain Crunch, on the other side you get Tricks or whatever the fuck, right? Yeah. You know that sour smell like your foot when you take off a sweat sock? Oh like, yeah. You know, oh, that. I know it all too well. <laughs> <laughs> I think she should start making like a line of tea. This tea tastes like my vagina. Ooh. Yeah. I don't know if that would sell or not. I, it actually probably would. Fuck yeah, it would sell. <laughs> Everybody would be drinking Gwyneth Paltrow vagina tea. Oh, that's part funny. of waking up. Yeah, it's vagina gl- tea in your cup? <laughs> Pretty much. Didn't she say something like it's not really like based upon the scent of her? It's just like she just made a bunch of scents and called it her vagina. Like, yeah, I mean, if you go to the website, you can read what the scents are, and it that like the mix, the combination of scents that she puts in it. There's no way her vagina smells like that. Yeah, mm. good marketing. Yeah, and it's like it's such a simple candle. All it says is like in black letters, "This smells like my vagina." Seventy five dollars a fucking pop. Wow, she's a genius. <clears throat> I hate this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's bad. Oh, my God. <laughs> I need more. I need more margarita. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. Let's jump into good pop, bad pop for this week. Maybe that'll, maybe that'll pick things up a little bit. Did you say not? Did you say, what did you say? <laughs> not hopeful, he says. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Magic eight ball Tristan. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh my god. Yeah, good Outlook pop. Not good. Outlook not good. No shit. Alright, good pop, bad pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. Good pop, bad pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. 
The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. This week, we got the tease of the Project Power trailer coming to Netflix. The posters were released, and then the very next day, they released the trailer. And uh, it's about on the streets of New Orleans, word begins to spread about a mysterious new pill that unlocks superpowers unique to each user. The catch, you don't know what will happen until you take it. Well, some develop bulletproof skin, invisibility, and super strength. Others exhibit a deadlier reaction. But when the pill escalates crime within the city to dangerous levels, a local cop teams with a teenage dealer and a former soldier fueled by a secret vendetta to fight power with power and risk taking the pill in order to track down and stop the group responsible for creating it. This movie stars Jamie Foxx, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Dominique Fishback, Rodrigo Santoro, Colson Baker, Alan Maldonado, Amy Landecker, and Courtney B. Vance. And it's going to be released on Netflix August 14th of this year. And I'm just going to start off by saying I watched the trailer, and I think this looks like it's going to be a shitload of fun. I think it looks really good. I, I've never thought about the combination of Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Jamie Foxx, but it looks like it's going to be really, really good. I... There's a part in this where Joseph Gordon-Levitt takes the pill, and nobody knows what like their power is going to be until they take the pill. And I think, do you only get the power for like five minutes at a time? Yeah, it's I like a brief tell. moment. Yeah, and yeah, so okay. he's got like, what did you say, Tristan? I said I couldn't tell how long the the powers actually last. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's like a. I don't know. I think I I felt like I read or saw or heard that it was five minutes at a time. I could be wrong. I'm not sure. But Joseph Gordon-Levitt takes the pill. Somebody shoots him, and he finds out, like, he's got, like, superhuman strength and bulletproof skin. The bullet bounces off of him. And you see, like, his face ripple and stuff like that. I thought the effect looked really good. Um, I think this looks like a fun kind of, like, team-up movie. I like the fact that you've got, uh, you know, the cop played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and then you've got Jamie Foxx playing this former soldier, and then Dominique Fishback playing this teenage dealer. I think it's, I think it's a fun, it's gonna be a fun dynamic. I Tupperware this trailer. I, I, this looks really fun. I can't believe, and I didn't really look it up, but I can't, it feels like it was based on like on a comic book, is, is, is what it feels like. It just got like a comic book type feel. Um, but I wanna know what you guys thought. What did you think, Tristan? Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the trailer. I thought that, um, it looks like it has some high production value and, um, I, it looks like a movie that we would be seeing in the summer somewhere in theaters. But, um, you know, I'm excited to see the combination of Jamie Foxx and Joseph, uh, Gordon Levitt because they're both two actors. They're, they're like in that category of actors where it's like not everything they do, like not every movie they do is great, but they're always good in whatever they do. You know, mm-hmm. and um, and like you said, it's something about in that two minute trailer, you can kind of see a chemistry there that's going to work. And so, yeah, I'm excited to see it. It's an interesting concept. It's kind of like limitless, right? Yeah. Yeah. Was that that, that was the Bradley Cooper thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think they made a TV show. They too. did short lived. What did yeah. you 
what, what would you rate this one? Uh, I'm going to give it a Tupperware as far as the trailer is concerned because, yeah, I definitely want to see it. <laughs> it, I, it got me super excited to watch this one in August. I saw like, Machine Gun Kelly in there, too. Oh, yeah. See, I'm not, I don't know the Machine not, Gun Kelly. Not, not like that's going to sell it or anything, yeah. but, uh, you know, just a, an observation. Yeah, what would you think, Jake? Yeah, I really liked it, too. I, I'm going to give it a high taste it. Um, I think this has the potential to be one of Netflix's biggest hits as far as movies go, honestly. I think people are hungry for this kind of effects-laden sci-fi action movie right now with just a complete drought of any kind of movie like this to go see in the theater. I, we're gonna, I'm going to echo what you said, and I was really impressed by the effects. Uh, definitely the standout effect moment was the bullet to the face. I mean, you've seen that kind of thing in a bunch of movies, but you saw it in a very unique way here. I thought I'd never seen it done quite like this. I think when it comes to these superpower movies, one of the most fun aspects of those movies is what's the power and kind of the exploration of using that power. And I think this movie can be a lot of fun because with the whole aspect that you take this pill and you don't even know what the power you're going to have is going to be. And I think there could be a lot of surprises and fun and drama and humor just based off of kind of what the plot is alone. So, yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see this movie. I think it has a lot of potential. And honestly, I think good or bad, it, it's going to get a lot of eyes on it just in this atmosphere right now. Oh, for sure. I, You know, th- th- was the teenage dealer, was she the one that – or was it – I can't remember. I've seen the trailer, and Jamie Foxx's daughter was the one that developed it, Correct. Hmm. Um, I only saw it once, so I'm not, I didn't catch that part. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like that's what, I, th- I felt like that's what I got from the trailer is that his daughter, and, and I could be wrong. But man, aside, that aside, I, I want to see like what, it says others exhibit a deadlier reaction, and I want to know kind of like what that means. Is it just that, that they die from taking it, or, I mean, Maybe whatever power they have, they get kills other people. Maybe the deadly reaction is they can't control whatever new power they have for five minutes, and it's like, you know, killing the people around them. Yeah, we saw, like, the one guy catch fire, and I was, like, thinking, like, is this, like, a human torch type thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I read somewhere, I thought that they said the pill just kills you, like it's like has a chance to just kill you. Yeah. Maybe I missed... No, that sounds about right. Like, like it's kind of like a Russian roulette thing. You never know, but you're gonna, you know what I mean. It c- could kill you. So, mm. I loved it. Yeah. I thought it looked great. I just, I hope the villains are fantastic. I, I can't. I'm super excited. The trailer did everything for me to get me really excited to see this one. I mean, two big stars here. Uh, I love Courtney B. Vance too. It's nice to see him in something else. So, I'm really looking forward to seeing Project Power hits Netflix on August 14th. Uh, Tristan, you told me about yes. this one, um, Showbiz Kids on HBO. I was not aware of this show. Did you get a yeah. chance to see it? I did. I watched it. Um, it's a documentary about the highs and lows of children in show business featuring interviews and examinations of the lives and careers of the most famous former child actors in the world. It's written and directed by Alex Winter. He, uh, everybody's going to know him from the Lost Boys and Bill from Bill and Ted, um, but he's also a pretty damn good director. Like, I think that's the one thing people 
don't know about him. Like he directed a documentary. I think you can still watch it on Hulu. It's called uh, Deep Web and it gets into the dark web. He directed that back in 2015. That is excellent. Like this guy has been doing a ton behind the camera. He's just not really been in front of the camera. And um, in this documentary, he's uh, interviewing, uh, you know, child stars, people that have um, grown up in front of the camera their entire lives. And like, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating story because like the only people that can kind of like tell this story and what it's like to be a child star and to grow up, you know, in front of the camera are these people that have done it. And you get interviews with Evan Rachel Wood from Westworld. She was a child actor. Uh, Mia Jovovich. Um, this kid I had never heard of that it was on this Disney show called Cameron Boyce. Uh, Will Wheaton's in this. Henry Thomas from E.T. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, Mara Wilson, Todd Bridges from Different Strokes. I mean, it just, and tons of interviews from child stars. Um, what did you think about the showbiz kids? It's like an hour and 40 minutes, I think, and it's, it's on HBO. What did you think about this one, Tristan? Uh, yeah, so kind of knew what it was about just looking at the premise and, and really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought, Alex Winder, that he did a tremendous job as, as far as just getting together a group of child stars. And the most impressive to me was that 101-year-old woman, um, Dinah Sarah Carey, who was one of the first child stars. She was 101 years old in the documentary, and I think she just died a few months ago. But that's crazy to me to see someone who uh, was a child star like during the frickin' Great Depression, or, or what was it, 1923 or something like that. And she was still alive when they made this documentary. And she's talking about her um, trials and tribulations in the industry and how, you know, people stole her money and used her and and discarded her after a few years. And you fast forward 100 years and they're doing the same shit to kids today. And she's back doing movies that weren't even talkies you know they didn't even have sound and and the same thing was going to was happening to kids back then so you know i thought it was really impressive that um alex winter was able to get her i had never heard of her before um i didn't i didn't know who she was um i did i you know you know shirley temple and all that stuff but i didn't know that this i mean she was like the biggest child star at at one point and she was alive until a few months ago yeah yeah Um, that that was wild i mean what was her name? Like Baby Peggy is what they Baby called her? Baby Peggy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, you have your your usual suspects like Todd Bridges. We all know, like, the story with different strokes and how, you know, you know, I, I was always familiar with what he was going through um, because he was so public about what he was going through. And, um, you know, they talk about that cast and how all of them sort of, I mean, he was like the first one everyone expected to die. And ironically, he's the only one still alive, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah. And it's, you know, I, I, just listening to his, um, him talking about, uh, just what he was going through at such an early age, you know, I, he talks about, uh, sexual assault that he experienced and how his dad sided with the guy that sexually assaulted him. Like this kid got really fucked up. Like, you know, his dad was basically like taking the other guy's side and, and that has to be damaging to a kid. Um, the one that really, um, 
Did you ever watch the fucking uh, celebrity boxing where he fought Vanilla Ice? Uh, yeah, that was like, what, like 10, 15 years ago? He beat the shit out of Vanilla Ice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Um, yeah, Todd Bridges, I, I mean, I'm I'm glad that guy's here. He's just someone that you would have thought wouldn't have made it as, as well because he was fucked up from the get. Mm-hmm. You know, Dana Plato, I think she fell into drugs and things afterwards. That fucking interview that they did a, they, sh- they played like a little bit of an Howard interview Stern, yeah. that she was on with Howard Stern and she's talking, you know, she's trying to clean up and shit and blah, blah, blah. She died the yeah, very next day. The next day. Yeah. That's Crazy. fucked up. Wow. Yeah. And you can just hear she was off in that interview, but man, she just, mm-hmm. you could, you know, she was at least trying, it seemed. And, uh, you know, this whole documentary, you know, it's a, it had a number of people. Like, I never knew that Evan Rachel Wood was a child star. Neither I, did I. When, you didn't? I you had know, no yeah, clue. I'm not alone there. I, the first time I saw her was in um, Westworld. Same. Yeah. Yeah. But she was a pretty big deal back then. And she was talking about how um, her family and people around her would kind of shame her if she wanted to quit. Saying like, oh, well, you're too good. It'll be a shame if you don't follow through with this and she almost felt like an obligation to continue acting yeah and yeah. that wasn't that was the case with a lot of these kids it's like their parents are kind of living their dreams through them will we pushing them for oh will wheaton man he's fucked yeah. um yeah that guy i mean he was just talking about how family members wouldn't come around until he got famous and and then when he gets famous everyone gives him shit he gets on star Trek, and everyone gives him shit and, I mean, they even I went mean, into like his friendship with, and I, I appreciated this. They went into his friendship with River Phoenix. Right. They, they, they fucking, they, I remember when River Phoenix died. Like he, mm-hmm. he died, yeah. you know, uh, drug overdose. It was, you know, alcohol mm-hmm. and, uh, cocaine, maybe heroin, all this stuff, all this cocktail yeah. of drugs, uh, yeah. out in front of the Viper room. Like, and the Viper room mm-hmm. is like, this club, you know, you never knew who was going to be at the Viper Room. Like, you know, Johnny mm-hmm. Depp, all these big stars showed up there. I remember, like, on any given night, Pearl Jam could show up at the Viper Room and be playing there, you know? And I mean, yeah. it, and it was famous. And then he dies right out in front of the Viper Room. They play the 911 call Joaquin Phoenix mm-hmm. made when River was, you know, out in front of the Viper Room dying. And it's it's heartbreaking. Yeah, and I was also glad to hear that Will Wheaton had such um, positive things to say about River Phoenix, too. They had a really good relationship, and he was talking about how he and River Phoenix were close after Stand By Me, but then they sort of drifted apart, and then that's when he saw River Phoenix spiraling. And I think Will Wheaton carried a lot of guilt because he said, you know, that guy was just around a bunch of vultures and people that were not out for his best interest. I'm telling you, man, can you imagine if River Phoenix was still with us today? How many amazing movies this guy would have put out? Like he was, he was so fucking talented. Super oh, fucking yeah. talented. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you think about how talented River is and, and that River looked up to him, you know? And, and. Oh, are you talking he, about Joaquin? I, <laughs> River, not, yeah, Joaquin, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm like, Confusing the two, but, um, yeah, Joaquin looked up to him and, and, and you could just imagine like that guy would have had like maybe two Oscars by now. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Know, was, yeah. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. He was just that kind of like talent. He was just that kind well, of talent. There's certain child stars and that actually brings me to Henry Thomas. Like, like Henry Thomas was talking about how 
in ET, like he didn't, like he was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, you know, he was, he was kind of just acting based upon his natural kind of empathy that he had. When he you know, got he the part, thinking, he said, he basically felt like he had robbed a bank, like he had gotten away with something. Like he's like, yeah, Why? Yeah. and, I, I, yeah, and I'm he, watching like that, that him audition. And just how natural, like, he was in that audition. Like, it was the part where they're trying to take E.T. away from him. And he is just, he just starts crying. And you hear Spielberg say, you got the part, kid. Yeah, yeah. It's because I think he wasn't, like, much of an actor. He was just, like, a kid who was able to just challenge, um, I'm sorry, channel those uh, emotions. Yeah. I mean, he was saying. I think he is an actor, though. Like, Well, yeah, yeah, he's an actor, but, but meaning, like. You know, he was talking about how Drew Barrymore was sure. kind of condescending to him, saying yeah. like, "Oh, you've only done one movie." And oh, you. Po- like she that. goes. And- she goes. I've done four. You poor thing. Yeah. And she's yeah. six years old saying this to him. And but it's yeah. like I think like I think that he was selling himself short. I think the kid was an actor. He still acts today. He's great. He's fantastic. Sure. And I think like there, but there are those kids that are they're easy like they're really good at acting when they're young because they're not self aware that they're right. actually acting. They're just being a kid. They're playing yeah. who they are. And then they, when they become self-aware of like, this is, this is a craft, this is acting. They kind of lose that innocence where they're, and I've listened to Macaulay Culkin in interviews. He I think he was talking to Rogan and he's like, mm-hmm. one of the main things that, uh, you know, John Hughes and some of these directors that, you know, hired me for these jobs and just kids in general, um, they say like every year 20,000 kids like try to get parts in Hollywood films and TV and only 5% make it. But what, can, what, uh, Macaulay Culkin said, what worked for him is he was just really good at memorizing his lines. Yeah, he yeah. says, he says that's half of it right there. It's just like they want kids to be able to memorize their lines. So. And you can kind of see that too. I mean, when Macaulay Culkin's, in those Home Alone movies and things, it's like he, you can tell he has like the script memorized. He's not a river phoenix, you know, he just was really good at getting the lines down. Yeah. And, and, you know, they show that one kid that they're following two kids that are aspiring actors. Yeah. yeah. One female and one male. And you can see the male, like his parents are pushing him and they moved from, I think, Orlando or something and were pushing him in Hollywood going your auditions and all these things. And this is what he wants to do. And you can see that the kid is very animated. You can also see that the kid um, has like a personality about him. And maybe there's something there, like a talent there, but like they're forcing him to read lines and regurgitate a script. And you can tell he's not interested in that. Like maybe his thing is like improv or maybe his thing is like, like comedy or something. Yeah. But like they're having these kids like, be child actors when it's like sometimes you're talented in a class clown, but it doesn't necessarily mean you want to be an actor. Yes. Oh, I mean, think about well, think about all the people that go to Hollywood. Like that's the thing. Like yeah. you've always heard, like you know, like uh, you know, in every town there's the homecoming queen. You know, the the yeah. the, the girl that's the the prettiest girl in the town, and then they yeah. all go to fucking L.A. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, that same girl that thought she was going to be the big Hollywood movie star is now doing porn or whatever the hell. Because it's it's a, well, I mean, you're she a small... shows up at the audition and there's yeah tons of other homecoming queens yeah in the audition. You know? You're a small fish in a in a big pond at that point. It's the best of the best, and it's hard to get. It's hard to break in. And I don't know. I felt like that kid. Like I felt like that kid was just kind of like a a goofball and like. 
Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, he had he had a he had something about yeah, him. Like, yeah, he was trying to get out, but maybe acting just wasn't what he was meant to I, do. Like, comedy might be his thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's what he exactly. kind of alluded to. The the young girl that they had, like, I remember watching her in Godfather of Harlem, and I was. Oh, does she have a big part? Yeah, she plays uh, the daughter of Forrest Whitaker. It's a it, it's a complicated story, but she she essentially plays the daughter of Forrest Whitaker's character, Bumpy Johnson, yeah. in that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, but she's she's yeah. really good in that, and I was kind of like blown away. Like this girl just kind of like came out of nowhere, has a great singing voice. She did some fucking musicals and stuff, and then she gets mm-hmm. she lands this part. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Henry Tom. Yeah, um, go ahead. I was gonna say I thought it was uh, interesting how um, how everyone was affected differently, and I think you know there's people who showbiz just ruined their lives, and then they show like a clip of like Jodie Foster, and she's like, "Oh, it was great. I was fine." Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. God I didn't have to deal with regular childhood. Yeah, she didn't no. deal with all the disappointments of childhood and all that shit. And but like, dude, I I I'd never seen this fucking kid before. I never thought I'd seen him before. I watched him actually in the first season of Mrs. Fletcher, which is I think we're not getting a second season. I think it was just a one season thing. But it was a Catherine Hahn show on HBO, and Cameron Boyce, the young kid that they had from the Disney show Jesse, was in this mm-hmm. documentary, and Cameron Boyce was in Mrs. Fletcher. And I'm watching this documentary and I'm like, man, this kid got he's super talented. They showed him as a dancer, super talented at a young age. Um, really, I think really good, like really good interview, animated, super animated. And I just kind of like fell in love with this kid watching this. I was just like, man, this kid's got a high energy. I like this kid. And then the documentary fucking crushed me at the end when they said that he passed away last year. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I, so I, you weren't aware. You didn't, I had no idea. Anymore. I'd never really yeah. heard of this kid before, yeah. except I remembered seeing him in Mrs. Fletcher and I'm watching mm-hmm. this and died at 20 years old, man. And like when I'm not even kidding you, when I saw that pop up on the screen that Cameron Boyce had died and it was last year. Yeah, but just like really liking this kid in the interview, really liking this kid a lot. I I liked his energy. I thought he was a cool kid, and when I saw that he had died, like I I got like it hurt in the pit of my stomach. Like that's terrible. Just to see like a young kid like that with so much promise just taken away from us. It's it's fucking heartbreaking. And I don't know, man. It's the girl from Matilda and, and Mrs. Doubtfire, it was sad watching yeah. what happened to her. She got on the internet and she said she became like an awkward looking teenager and she had to read all the fucking terrible comments about her on the internet, man. That's a lot for a fucking kid to go through. Well, she said she was a kid and she would have to, she would search her name and then see her face photoshopped on porn. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's sickening, man. I, I thought it was a fantastic documentary. Honestly, I think like they could do uh, he, he could have done a lot more with this, to be quite honest with you. There could have been a lot that, more to this. Yeah, I mean, if I have any criticism of it, it's that um, I think there could have been a little bit more to it. Like, I felt like, like aside from just the individual stories, I felt like it's like there wasn't much new that I learned from it, aside from, you know, just Cameron Boyce and, and people that I weren't aware of. But yeah. The, the running theme, you know, is something that I've been well aware of for quite some time that most of us understand 
happens in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's a pretty damn good documentary and it's enjoyable. And, um, for me, it's a very, very high tasted, um, only because I felt that they could have done a little bit more with it. Like, I don't get why Jada Pinkett Smith was there. Like she didn't get famous until she was an adult. And I was like, I think we should be talking to your kids, (laughs) not, not Jada Pinkett Smith, but I don't know. Maybe it was just a parent (laughs) perspective. They were trying to, trying to put on there, but but yeah, overall, like I thought Alex Winter did a great job and I really had a good time with it. Yeah, I'll, I'll also give it a, a very high taste. I thought that this was uh, super interesting. I think he did a great job with it. And I mean, I don't know. I just think like, I guess there could be more. I I don't know if you can even watch that um, movie that fucking uh, Corey Feldman made where he called out a bunch of people like they they streamed it twice. The first time they streamed it, I think they had a bunch of like issues with it like it um to like with the server or something like that they had server issues and so people didn't even get to watch the full thing wait what was this about i'm not sure Corey feldman came out with a documentary or like a like his own movie that he made and it was basically pointing the fingers at a bunch of different people in hollywood Mm -hmm. producers and things like that 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 were child molesters oh and i think don't quote me on this, but I think Bob Saget was mentioned in it. Oh man, that's crushing. So yeah, he heavily hyped that up before it came out, and then it was it was very odd how the whole premiere and debut happened of it. Yeah, like this, this has to have been before the Me Too era, right? No, this was. I no, mean, it's pretty recent. Well, he's been working on this forever, but it just recently came out within the past like six months. Even so who shut it? How did it get shut down like that? Something happened with the. It did, they said like they did. He kind of like I think he alluded or people were alluding to the fact that someone like shut it down because they didn't want it getting out there. But I think that might have just been like you know hype and shit and trying to. I just think it was a problem with the server. Maybe too many people trying to watch it and it just crashed the oh, first time. Yeah. I don't know. As far as I know, it only aired twice, and I don't know if you can watch it streaming. I don't think anybody's picked it up anywhere. Gotcha. Yeah, no, it's unavailable right now still. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lake of Death on Shudder. Did you see this one, Tristan? No, I did not catch that one. Uh, A year after her twin brother died, a mysterious death, Lillian and her friends head to the old family cabin to say their goodbyes. But soon after they arrive, eerie and gruesome events begin to occur. As the lines between reality and Lillian's nightmares blur, she must fight both an external and internal struggle to stay alive. Uh, it's a horrific local legend becoming reality. Uh, is is a horror, horrific local legend becoming reality, or is the real enemy among them? It's directed by Nini Bol Rabzam. Uh, who took inspiration from Norway's popular 1942 novel, uh, of the same name. Uh, and, uh, yeah, this is, uh, Rob Some Shot, Lake of Death on, uh, 35 millimeter and brought on Academy Award winner Bob Morosky from Army of Darkness, Drag Me to Hell and The Hurt Locker to edit. And, uh, stars a bunch of Norwegian actors. This is a Shudder original. And, um, man, I, uh, I saw this one and, and and man, it had so much promise. I, I'm I'm just going to start off and say I'll give it a taste. It, it it's basically you've got a uh, a girl who her her brother died this death on the uh, this mysterious death, and 
in order to kind of like get over it and and help her move along, her friends go to this old cabin, um, and uh, things start to happen. and And you never know really what's going on. Is so, is somebody behind this? Is is it supernatural? You really never know what's going on. There's twists and turns. I think I kind of liked it the most when um, the people in the group were kind of accusing one another of being behind it. I think that's when the things got most interesting and the drama kind of ramped up. Um, but overall, uh, with the twists and the way it ends and everything, I wasn't fully satisfied with this one. I'm going to give it a taste it. Um, uh, I would recommend watching it. It, it it's on shutter and, um, it, it's, it's, it's a fine movie. I feel like the lead though, like her character was just fucking like a, a wet blanket. She was so sad and depressed this entire movie that I just, I was gravitating more towards like the other characters in this. And like everybody had like all the characters, like the men in this were like, um, fawning over her. Like they loved her and stuff. And it's like, she's just. <laughs> She's just so sad. What do you see? There's nothing. She's so sad. And <laughs> she's so depressing. There was like nothing that I, I, I don't like, I don't know. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand that. She was just so sad and depressing in this, but I don't know. Like maybe the she female equivalent of this podcast. Huh? Pretty much. I mean, yeah, she was. She's the living embodiment of this <laughs> fucking episode. Um, <laughs> this episode needs to be fucking escorted to the lake of death and dropped in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it a taste that it's nothing I'll probably ever watch again, but it's called Lake of Death. It's on Shutter. Uh, I fucking, I watched today on a suggestion from one of our listeners. And guys, I, you know, like when you suggest me to watch stuff, I try, I can't all the time. I can't, I, like, you gotta understand, I get people suggesting stuff all the time and like, I gotta stay with the stuff that's coming out and trying to, trying to add other things into my week. It's, it's hard. So I try when I can. But I think I think Rob Forrest told me to check out Volition, and uh, this is on VOD. Uh, in this time-bending cerebral science fiction thriller, a man afflicted with clairvoyance tries to change his fate when a series of events lead to a vision of his own imminent murder. Uh, it was awarded as best feature at the Philip K. Dick Film Festival, among a slew of other awards and critical acclaim. Volition is a tightly wound puzzle of a ride. It's directed by Tony Dean Smith. Yeah, it stars a bunch of people I've never seen, really. Um, but, um, yeah, this one, uh, I think Rob said it was a high taste it for him. It's, it's interesting. It's a super interesting movie. You really never kind of like know what's going on all the time. Um, you've got a guy who, like his entire life, he's been able to kind of like have these clairvoyant visions of like the future. And, um, he sees his death. And he's trying to stop it from happening. Um, he's always kind of like, but he's behind, he's behind on his rent. He's behind, he owes people money. And so he gets, um, he gets this job where he can, he can basically try, I guess he's trying to find a dealer for these diamonds that this guy gives him. And, um, and he's got people after him that are trying to get the diamonds from him that are supposed to be working for the guy that supplied him with the diamonds. So they're trying to screw over the guy that was, um, that, that hired this guy for the job. Um, there's, I, if I get into it too much, I'll give away too many twists and too many turns, but it, and he meets a woman and 
and they form kind of like a, a friendship and she's brought into this as well. Um, I liked it overall. I, I would give it, it's, it's, it's teetering on a high taste it. Um, but I will just give it a, I'll give it a flat taste it. I did enjoy it enough. Like I, I, but I think there's like better movies out there that are kind of like this in a way. I mean, and I, I can't, I don't know. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Maybe, um, it's, it's, it's got elements of like what it feels like with time travel and, and, but I, I check it out. If you can watch it, if this one's available to watch, I'd say within the next few months on like a Netflix or an Amazon, if one of them pick it up, I would recommend watching it. I definitely think it's worth a watch. And I mean, it always keeps you guessing. And I was kind of tuned in the entire time and I was intrigued. Uh, but it's called Volition and you can watch it now on VOD if you want to. But I, I definitely think it was worth the watch. It was interesting. I'd never seen any of these people really before in anything. So, yeah, volition. That'd be really weird to like kind of have that vision of how you're going to die. Like, how do you even react to that? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you're getting deep, dude. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I think I'm going to die during this episode, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> I'm just a second away from that joke. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think, I think, up I, I think we died about an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually a lot of pressure off at that point. Oh. We're dead. We just say whatever now. Yeah, no shit. Oh, man. Let's take a break. Let's take a fucking break and come back. With more, with more of all this fun we're having. <laughs> I like, I love to laugh there. I know. It's like, I don't want all the fun to end right now, but we'll take a quick break and hopefully we can pick up, uh, and keep this fun ball rolling. Well, hey, let's draw this out, gentlemen. Let's spread it then. Yeah. We'll be, we'll be back and we'll be talking about more shit. We want no, whatever the fuck we do on this from week to week. So yeah, stick around. And be right back. Back with this fucking extravaganza of just fun and uh, and memories for all, fun memories for everyone. Extravaganza, I like that. You like that? Like exactly. You having you having, having a good a having, a, having a blast there, Tristan? Great time. God damn you know, it! It's, it's always good to catch up with you guys, so I'm not complaining. Yeah. I am a little bit, but uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like, frankly, Tristan, talking to you is not making it better. Nah, you're fine. It's just me this week. God damn it! I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm burnt out. I'm just burnt out this week. It, it just catches up to you every once in a while. What's the one food? What's the one food like going out somewhere, fast food, whatever the fuck? 
that like you like you you think it's a good idea at the time, but after you get done, you just feel like a fucking glutton, and you feel you just hate yourself for fucking eating what you just ate, what you just put in your body. Anything McDonald's for me? Anything McDonald's for you? Yeah, that's a good McDonald's is a good choice. It's always the last resort, and then when you get it, it's like, oh, why did I do this? For me, it's the fucking it's the Taco Bell. Crunch wrap supreme. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't do Taco Bell much. I'm allergic to cheese, and it's pretty much the whole menu. You can ask for it without cheese, but you never know. They always put cheese in it. Cheese just seems to fall in that food. Somebody's going to yeah. fuck up, and they're going to put cheese in that shit. But the Crunch wrap supreme, it's like they take a fucking tortilla that's the size of like a baby's blanket, and then they just fucking like toss like. Every fucking ingredient in there known to man. And then they wrap it up like it's a fucking Christmas gift. And they're like, here you go. Eat this. Eat up, fatty. And that's how I feel after I... <laughs> that's how I fucking feel after I eat that shit. I feel like shit after I'm fucking done. And I'm the fucking asshole getting the Diet Mountain Dew. Diet Mountain Dew with a Crunchwrap Supreme. It's like a, it's like a, it's, oh my God. It's, it's, it's like a fucking Frisbee. They hand you a fucking Frisbee just loaded with fucking like beans and cheese and beef and lettuce and cheese, tomatoes. Seemed good at the time, right? Seemed like a great idea at the fucking time. See, the thing with me is that I'm always like chasing the, the first high that I got when I was eating like McDonald's when I was a kid. Yeah. And it never tastes that same way. Nope. It never does. It never does. Oh man, the first time you remember had... the when the McChicken first came out when we were kids. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, they changed the recipe for that fucking thing. It's not the same McChicken we had when we were kids. No, it's not even close. Yeah. I used to love the McChicken. You fucked up the so McChicken, good. McDonald's. Remember uh, Chicken Selects? Was it Chicken Selects? Yeah, don't they still have those? I don't know. I think it's like a seasonal thing. Like the McRib. Is that the premium chicken sandwich? Like uh, they the had lettuce the, and tomato and all that? They were kind of like, weren't the chicken selects like a, like a like chicken strips, Jake? Yeah, like oh. a bigger chicken tender. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the episode's turning around, boys. <laughs> 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 oh, this is fucking, podcast awards this is terrible oh my god oh my i watched i watched oh shit you know what i didn't put in my notes tristan and i, I hope you watched it did you watch p valley yeah i did um i didn't even put this in my notes i'm gonna have to go to imdb and look up the synopsis sir okay p valley this was on stars and it dropped this week and uh let's see here p valley P, the P, and I'm not even joking here, stands for pussy. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you remember, remember like in the opening credits when they showed, like, it said pussy, and then the, 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 the USSSY went out on the lights and it just said P Valley? Mm, yeah, I missed that part. It happened. That's, <laughs> it's like it, in the very beginning, I missed that part. <laughs> it, it, it follows the lives of strip club dancers working down in the Dirty Delta. So this is a new series uh, on uh, stars, and it follows these strippers in this uh, 
in, in this series. And, uh, it's going to be a total of eight episodes. And, um, yeah, basically it's, it's not, it's, it's a, it's scripted. It's not a, uh, it's not a, uh, reality show or anything. This is, um, cause I, that's what I thought we were getting here, but it's not. This is, uh, this is like a series. But, um, what did you, what did you think about P Valley, Tristan? Yeah, as the, uh, black correspondent, I guess I can talk about this. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty much, yeah, pretty much a, a dominant, dominant black cast on this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so, pretty cool that, you know, it's created by, um, black women, it's starring, uh, it's female centric, and I think all the directors are females as well. Um, an interesting thing about it is that it has like, I think the woman is from like Juilliard or something who created the show and it's about like this gutter stripper, um, Southern stripper society. And I don't know if any of you guys have ever been to a strip club in the South, but it's like a completely different experience than any other kind of strip club. It's like, it's not like they are, you know, here in California or on the East coast or, you know, maybe even in the Midwest, but it's just a different environment over there. It's like a big event. And like the strippers are like, it's like walking into like a music video type thing and people, it's just dollars and hundreds and hundreds of dollars of just being thrown all around and all on the ground and just craziness. I, I went to one once in Atlanta a long time ago and just the most unique experience I've ever had in a strip club. With that being said, it's very true to kind of that spirit and that tone. I've never been to a strip club in Tennessee, but which I think is that's where this takes place, right? Tennessee. I could, I um, didn't know if it was Tennessee or Mississippi. Uh, it, it's one of, yeah, it's down there. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, um, it's, it has that kind of grit to it where it almost feels a bit like a documentary a little bit. Um, and the people feel very real. I wasn't like the biggest fan of this pilot episode though. Um, it's, I wasn't like, I thought the acting was a little subpar and I don't know if they were, you know, cause a lot of these women can really double for strippers. Like they're really, I mean, they could go out and make some money right now if they wanted to. <laughs> I mean, like they really look like strippers and I don't know if the acting came secondary because I don't think this, the cast was the strongest. Um, but like visually, like it looked really cool. Like it, as I mentioned, it has like a kind of art house feel to it. There's a strip, um, a pole dancing scene that was really well shot. And that was, uh, pretty mind blowing to see. But are like, you talking overall, about Mercedes when she got, yeah, she when went she went to the, the pole and went on the ceiling and she was like upside down and she, she and she was shaking that booty upside down. She was yep. doing the Lionel Richie, oh what a feeling, dancing yeah, on the ceiling. Dancing on the on the ceiling, yeah. <laughs> it would have been hilarious if they played that song. That was in, that was incredible. I'd never seen anything like that. And like I've been to strip clubs before and I remember going to see like a feature uh act and her name was Katana and she had long legs like katana blades and she was like she was yeah. doing some amazing stuff on the pole. It does take some athleticism. It does take but like I had never Never seen a move like that on a fucking pole where she takes herself all dude i was worried for her like the music that was bumping I thought, in the i thought she's yeah, gonna I was fall thinking like that pole could break or something yeah or whatever and um yeah and you can tell it was the actress who actually did that like she went all the way up to the fucking ceiling and put her feet on the ceiling yeah <laughs> 
Like, that's insane. It was fucking insane to me, too. I was like, holy fucking shit. That is, I thought she was gonna fall and like break her neck. Like, I didn't, I had, I had no idea. So I wasn't like too invested in like the characters. Like, it didn't grab me yet. But like, just for that fucking scene, like I'm saying, you you need to taste this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. At least for that. I, you know what? I'm gonna get. I'm. I'm honestly gonna give it a high taste. I kind of like. I like the little storylines that were going on here. We got the the girl that plays Autumn Knight, who's got like this mysterious past. Like we don't know. I, yeah, yeah. It's it's mysterious, but she's she. I don't know if you got the same vibe, but she just seems such a bland character to me. Like I like her face. You just can't read anything. Yeah. And and, yeah. and I, I I'm like, this is the lead. This is this is who we're following. Like it's. I, I mean, you can see visually she's there, but like just her face is just so blank and mysterious. And I don't think that's inten- intentional. I think she's just not a good actress. Yeah. And, but like, I don't know. We'll, we'll, it's early. You know, it's a pilot and maybe it develops into something good. I know a lot of people are enjoying the show. For yeah. me personally, it's not something I think I'm going to be like tuning into every week. But like, but uh, overall, like I can appreciate it. Who is the Who is the guy? That, that had like the, the long hair. Uncle Clifford? Uncle Clifford, dude. Was, he looked like, he looked like the love child of like, uh, of, uh, what's his name? He looked like, he looked like, um, the dude from True Blood. What's his, oh god, now I can't, I, I thought of his name the other day. The guy from, Uh, the, the, the black dude from True Blood. I didn't watch True Blood. Oh, see? but he, he he also looked like Lil Sweet from the Dr. Pepper commercial. Every time I saw it, or, yeah. or like Cat Williams. There's a bit, yo, well, he had the Cat Williams um, uh, sideburns. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it was kind of, and obviously the permed hair and all that. His character, I would say, was probably like the most interesting to me, just because like you can see like there's a very uh, unique personality there that you haven't seen before and he seems like he's going to probably develop into something interesting um but overall like i felt like uh yeah just it just didn't grab me as far as like i need to see what's going to happen with these people next week but yeah but overall like it you know it's it's not terrible it just kind of reminded me of like uh i don't know just all these different stories coming together you got mercedes who's like wanting to get out of this uh out of uh you know stripping she's wanting to she's promoting like her last you know but she's also jealous of autumn night the young and up and coming you know stripper that's getting all like the new attention and then yeah. you know you see all these kind of like stories kind of like converge i was kind of like i was interested in it and i don't know i i i, I might watch the second episode it had it hooked me a little bit <laughs> um I, I was kind of like what threw me for a fucking twist was Lil Murda. When Lil Murda and Oh man. Yeah. yeah. And that, and you'll you'll be surprised at how often that happens too. And when I say that happens, I mean the most street thuggish people can have that going on secretly, you know? And and I was really surprised that they went there. Um, yeah, I, I guess it's not really spoiling much, right? But um, it's not. Go ahead. I mean, it's the first yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah. So basically, um, Lil Murda, <laughs> who's basically like this, you know, I guess he's a guy who loves murder or something. He's he, he's in the streets, and he 
comes on to the uh, the what would you call that person who who runs the strip club? It's not like a madam or anything. Yeah, but it's, yeah. But the, the strip club owner, strip club owner, yeah, the strip club owner who's um who's trans and 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 you know displays that that's what he's into. You know, basically this guy come uh, basically comes on to her and and reveals that that's his fetish or that's what his sexual preference is. And yeah, and that's pretty common. Like you hear, it's like the people who really sort of sometimes overcompensate uh, for, yeah, overcompensate with a very rough exterior. Those are the ones who really have something to hide. Well, I don't know if have you ever seen the A24 film Moon, uh, Moonlight? Yeah, like oh, what, yeah, I love it. Yeah, like what 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 dude transforms into? I mean, he like you know what I mean. He's got like he yeah. he just becomes like you know the I don't know like the picture of masculinity. But then like he's also he turned into fucking fifty cent. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, but you know he's he's he, he's closeted. And I mean, we saw that here. We saw Low Murder, like kind of like basically like in front of his you know friends, just kind of like. You know, throwing money and, and, and a grand here at this woman and a grand here at this woman and blah, blah, blah. But then, yeah, then he gets, gets, gets alone with Uncle Clifford and that's, you find out that's what he's about. I don't know. I thought, I thought the show, I don't know. I don't know if it's something that I'm going to continue to watch, but, um, it had enough like twists and turns and, and the acting wasn't great, but man, that's just, I haven't seen anything like this really. So. Yeah, it's, it's definitely unique. Like it's giving you a perspective that's not really on TV right now if you're looking for something different. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it might be worth at least checking out the next episode. Yeah. See what, yeah. seeing where things go. Yeah. That's P Valley on stars and it just premiered. So, uh, did anybody get a chance to see cursed on Netflix? I watched the first episode. I watched the first, uh, two. I watched the first three. This is based on Tom Wheeler and Frank Miller's New York best, uh, New York Times bestselling book, Cursed. It's a reimagining of the Arthurian legend told through the eyes of Nimue, a young woman with a mysterious gift who is destined to become the powerful and tragic Lady of the Lake. After her mother's death, she finds an unexpected partner in Arthur, a humble mercenary in a quest to find Merlin and deliver an ancient sword. Over the course of her journey, Nemu will become a symbol of courage and rebellion against the terrifying Red, Pala- uh, Red Paladins and uh, their complicit King Uther. The series is a coming-of-age story whose themes are familiar to our own time. The obliteration of the natural world, religious terror, senseless war, and finding the courage to lead in the face of the impossible. The series is led by Golden Globe nominee Catherine Langford from 13 Reasons Why and Knives Out as Nemu. Uh, also features, uh, Devin Terrell as Arthur, Gustav Skarsgård as Merlin, Daniel Sharman as Weeping Monk, and a bunch of other people. Uh, it's, uh, created and executive produced by authors Tom Wheeler and Frank Miller, with Wheeler set as the showrunner. And, um, yeah, this is just kind of like a, a reimagining of the Arthurian legend, and it's an origin story of sorts. Of, uh, the Lady of the Lake, which I didn't learn that until today, but I kind of like put that together just by watching the first three episodes that this was kind of like the origin story of Lady of the Lake and the, the synopsis that I'm, that I read later today kind of confirmed that. Um, I, I watched the first three episodes. I like them. 
Um, I don't know if it's enough to keep me watching the entire series. I don't, you know, um, I think it's, it's interesting and it's, and you know, um, but I, I really don't know if it's enough to just keep me watching. I don't know if it grabbed me, um, enough past the first three episodes. So like, yeah, I've got to finish this. I got to see how it ends, but I liked it overall. I'm going to give it a taste it. But I want to know what you guys thought. We can kind of unpack it a little bit more. What did you think, uh, Jake? You saw one episode. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. I think I liked it more thematically than I actually liked the show. It's a really interesting, more of a dark fantasy take on the Arthur stuff than we're used to. You know, right? Just some more different, like, species of people and just kind of some more fantasy elements thrown into the mix of what we're used to when we, we go to this time period. But I thought the show itself and the presentation was a little bit lacking. It's a, it's a low taste it for me. I just found almost all of the characters to be extremely unlikable. And there was no really rooting for anyone or any rooted interest in caring about these characters too much. It was the most unlikable interpretation of Merlin I've ever seen in this kind of thing. So I, I, I didn't much care for it. I, I thought conceptually it was a really interesting idea, but the final product was kind of lacking for me. What did you think, Tristan? Yeah, so I watched the first two episodes. I'm going to give it a, a middle-of-the-road taste it. And I it's one of those series where I believe that, you know, you just got to give it a try. Watch the first episode, maybe first two, and you are going to either be on board or you're just going to drop off. And I can see a lot of people liking this show. And I know that the response has been positive from a lot of people. But me personally, it's not something I'm dying to finish. I really like uh, Peter Mullen. I loved him in Ozark. He was just one of my favorite TV villains. And um, he hasn't really done much here. But, you know, just overall, I like him as a, a character. Yeah, he's, um, a, he's a really good villain. Uh, I, if I yeah. remember, like he was um, he was also in Westworld season two. Yeah. And I liked him. That guy's a chameleon too. I mean, he's like Scottish and I had no, when I was watching Ozark, I had no idea this guy was Scottish and he made you believe he was Midwestern. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, he's phenomenal, but like, you know, he hasn't really done much here, um, so far. Uh, but yeah, like Jake was saying, I don't think, um, the Merlin character is, is a good depiction at this point. I mean, I can tell he has an art going on. I mean, right now he doesn't have his magic in the very beginning. And I think he's on a quest to reclaim that. But so obviously there's going to be an arc here. But um, but where he starts is just not interesting at all. And I really hope that develops into something better. Um, the CGI was just shit, like terrible. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I get it. You know, we all go in there wanting Game of Thrones and everything can't be Game of Thrones. Yeah, those the CGI wolves look terrible. What I do like about this though is the fact that they haven't overpowered Nimue. Like that's what I was kind of like worried about. Like they were automatically just going to make her like this is going to be like kind of like another chosen one story where she's like, you know, they're obliterating but basically these red paladins are obliterating uh everything fey. Any any mag- anything magical. They're going around and just just killing anything fey. And Apparently, like, you know, she is, she's had moments where, like, uh, she can't control her powers and, and, 
and you know people will think that she's cursed and they will go after her and and then you know her magic does kind of take over and you'll see like where roots of trees will grab people and and attack them and she really can't control it it just kind of happens it's like a defense mechanism but then on the flip side like they don't overpower her she's not like a sword wielder yet she does have possession at one point in this of you know the sword that we know um but she's not she's not she's not a mary sue definitely definitely not a mary sue and and so i i feel like i feel like they're doing a really good job of like putting her in front of people that can maybe teach her things to where she can be where she can maybe control like her magic and then also coming in contact with arthur himself maybe he can kind of teach her how to wield that sword and be more of a sword wielder. She's just not like natural at anything right now. Um, so I do appreciate that, that they just haven't like super overpowered her and that it feel, it does feel like a true origin story. I love the concept. Like this is an origin story of the lady of the lake. I, you know, mm-hmm. I absolutely love that. And maybe the book is better. Um, it was a, you know, best selling book, New York Times. But so far, three episodes in, I'm not like uh, dying to watch more. But then again, I don't hate it. It is just a middle of the road taste it. But I don't think it has enough for me to like want to stick on and finish this thing out. And I'm sure people will tell me, you know, just stick with it. Wait till you get to this episode or whatever. And there's just so much (laughs) more to watch out there, everybody. I don't know. And it just might be more of your thing. But, um, and I love yeah, Arthurian stuff. Like I used to watch the NBC Merlin series and I, I love that kind of stuff. Go ahead, Tristan. Yeah. For me personally, it's at that kind of, it's in that zone where I watched enough of it to know I don't really care to watch the rest. But if people keep telling me it gets better, it gets better. I'm going to jump back in. Okay. Sure. Yeah. They can yeah. sway you. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, who knows? And I mean, it might be one of those things where, yeah, I'm like, completely there's i've watched everything and let me jump back into this one and finish it but um i i don't know i wasn't i I love the concept i love the concept and and um i really liked Catherine langford in 13 reasons why that first season but i don't know and she was fine and and love simon and and she was good and knives out but i mean so far in this she just hasn't really kind of like um been oh, like, right. She was in Knives Out. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but so far in this, and she was supposed to be in Endgame, but they cut her scenes. You can watch those deleted scenes, though. Um, she was uh, Stark's daughter? Morgan, yeah. All grown up. Okay. So, yeah. Yes. I think he, I think it's like a soul stone kind of thing where he, where he gets to talk to her as she's, when she's older. Was the book written by the famous Frank Miller? Yeah. Or a different Frank Miller? Yeah. So the Dark Knight Returns comic book scribe Sin City Frank Miller. Yes. Yeah. That Frank Miller. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I like it. it I, and I might jump back into it. Who knows? I might jump back into this one. I like this world. I like, I like any, I like anything like medieval and fey and stuff like that. And I think, like, I like the kind of, I like, I did like the dynamic between Arthur and, and like his father and what happened with him. And Arthur's kind of a, kind of a piece of shit by the time I think, yeah, a little bit. So I'm really interested in the, the Arthur arc in this. I thought that they're doing it really well. Um, 
there is a part of villain guy, the hood, the hooded guy. I mean, he seems a little interesting. Yeah. You know, he seems like he has some promise as well. Yeah. Yeah. So this show is not a total toss it for me. I think I'm right down the middle with this one. And yeah, I mean, it could get, it could get better. Maybe. Yeah. I I guess I'm with, with you, Tristan. If I do hear from other people that it, a multitude of people that it does get better. I might, this might be something that I jump back on. But as of right now, I mean, there's just, you know, there's just those shows that like they grab you from the first episode and you just have to continue watching. They're easily bingeable. And, um, I mean, this one just isn't there for me yet. So, yeah. But that is cursed yeah. on Netflix. It's 10 episodes. So, yeah, in general, I love the authoring legends and all that stuff. Like, I really loved The Once and Future King when I was a kid. That was one of my favorite books. And just anything King Arthur was appealing to me. So, like you both said, conceptually, it's it's great. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it has promise if they, if they stick to landing and do things right. But however it started out was just not enough for me. Yeah. Oh, God. Did you see that? What was that? It was a kids movie that came out last year i think it was the boy who could be king the kid of uh andy circus well, oh yeah yeah fun. yes yeah. he's yeah that was a yeah i, I love it that movie about was fantastic that. yeah oh i watched it i reviewed it on the show and then i again talked about it on scenic cast and me and kova both loved it and then steve watched it I think months later, and then Steve, I think it was one of his favorite movies of 2019. I, I, I adore that movie. That is a fantastic movie. It's a fun kind of like, you know, uh, modern Arthurian take on, on, uh, the sword and, and that whole legend. I, that movie was a blast. So good. I'll Hi. check it out. I hear nothing but good things about it. It's a shame that it didn't do too well. Yeah, I highly recommend it. I loved it. Had a great experience in the theater watching that one. I loved it. I think it was The Boy Who Would Be King or whatever. I can't remember the title. I Yeah, I love it, but I can't remember the fucking title. Give me a fucking break. I watch a million movies every fucking week for you people, so give me a fucking break. Um, <laughs> this is a movie that people have been talking about. Uh came out, I guess, maybe a couple weeks ago or so. Relic on... You can watch it on video on demand. It's a horror movie, and it's... Uh, synopsis, when elderly mother Edna inexplicably, inexplicably vanishes, her daughter Kay and granddaughter Sam rush to their family's decaying country home, finding clues of her increasing dementia scattered around the house in her absence. After Edna returns, just as mysteriously as she disappeared, Kay's concern that her mother seems unwilling or unable to say where she's been clashes with Sam's unabashed enthusiasm to have her grandma back. As Edna's behavior turns increasingly volatile, both begin to sense that an insidious presence in the house might be taking control of her. With Relic first-time writer-director Natalie Erica James crafts an unforgettable new spin on the Haunted House movie. And it stars Emily Mortimer, Robin Nevin, and Bella Heathcote. And people are loving this movie. I've seen nothing but, like, wonderful things on social media and from people that have been past guests on this show and they love this one. They love Relic. And I am just going to say for me, I'm 
kind of getting really sick and tired of the slow and plotting cerebral horror films that we're getting. I'm just, it's, it just didn't work for me. I'm going to toss this movie. I just did not like it. It was slow. I didn't care. Give me Michael Myers. I just want fucking, that's what I want right now. I either want just a, a comedy horror or just a Michael Myers going out there stabbing people in the fucking neck. I'm like, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of Hereditary. I loved Midsummer for some reason. I thought Midsummer by the same director was fantastic, but this fucking relic movie was just too slow and plotting for me. And there's a scene at the end where she's spoilers here. I'm not going to spoil too much because I'm going to be very ba- vague, but she's basically peeling her mother's skin off of her. Like she's a hard boiled egg and it was disturbing and gross. Yeah. And I fucking just thought this movie was weird and boring. And I know that there's all these, you know, that it's the symbolism and well, I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm fucking, sometimes I get sick of symbolism too. I don't want to think. I just want to fucking, you know what I mean? Sometimes I just don't want to fucking think about shit and all the symbolism and shit. I don't want to feel like I'm at a fucking, you know, the, the arts museum and I got to fucking pretend that I know what this fucking thing on the wall means. I have no fucking idea what that means and this whole fucked up family and, and, uh, yeah, oh yeah, she stayed for her mom and blah, blah, blah. I get it, I get it, but I, fuck the symbolism in this shit. It just didn't work for me. It was slow, boring, and plotting, and it's just not, it was not from, it's not, I, this, this, what we're getting with some of this horror is just not working for me, and this relic movie did not work for me. And I know there's other people out there that didn't like it as well, but then on the flip side, it's divisive. You got other people that just see it's brilliant. It's a brilliant piece of cinema. It's brilliant. Oh my God, it's brilliant. And I just, I just, it was mind numbing and boring. And <laughs> I don't know, Jake, I don't know, man. I just, so, I just, dude, I just want, I just want to see Michael Myers go around stabbing people in the fucking head. No, I get you. You just kind of want the popcorn movie equivalent of horror. I mean, uh, it does take a lot for that like super cerebral horror movie to really kind of catch my attention too as well. Yeah. This just didn't work for me, man. I mean, this is art house horror and like it just didn't work for me, but I know that it has, it has its audience, but for me, not a fan, not a fan of relic. So, so Brian, you have two choices. Yeah. Rewatch relic or playback of this episode. Oh fuck. I'm watching relic. <laughs> I'm watching Relic. Yeah, I'm watching. I'm watching a lady peel another lady like a fucking boiled egg, a hard boiled egg. I'm watching that shit all over again. <laughs> and then I'm gonna sit there and be and talk about the symbolism. Wow, it's brilliant. Wow, the symbolism. Wow. <laughs> the color of their car seats really displayed the isolation that they were feeling towards each other. The movie really made me think, man. Really made me think about death and family. Really opened my eyes. Thank you. <laughs> God damn it. Sometimes I just want to see, you know, like I said, just, I just want to see fucking just murder and mayhem. I don't want to, you know, yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I, it, it's, it's like I got that trailer for fucking Halloween kills and that's all I can think about. 
I don't need this cerebral horror bullshit. Midsummer was fucking amazing. I did think Midsummer was amazing. I thought it was amazing. Like I, you know, you got a fucking horror movie and it all, it all takes place in the daytime. Like how do you fucking pull that off? And I think like most of like, what was that Kevin Bacon movie that me and, uh, Joe Stark reviewed a few weeks ago? The one, the, the new Kevin Bacon movie, you know, and most of that takes place in the daytime, but it didn't work for me. It didn't work for me. So I, I don't know, you know, it's, well, I don't know. And, and, and Relic didn't work for me. If you liked it, I get it. I get it. it that's what it made you think. And it, and I mean, it hit with you. And I get, and I'm not knocking the people that liked it, man. But man, that's just not, I, I don't know. That's, I'm just not into that horror movie right now. I'm also not into the fucking, the Blumhouse movies that are not hitting. The fucking, like the nun and, uh, the curse of La La Rona. Like that was, like that was some fucking bullshit too. The nun was one of my worst theater experiences in the last couple of years. Ouch. Dude, I, I went to, I went and saw that in a fucking Dolby Atmos theater. I was like, Same. oh man. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted the yeah. sounds because like that fucking trailer, man. You know what I mean? For that, for that trailer, they gave you that jump scare at the end. And like, yeah. it worked. Every time I went into a fucking theater and they played that trailer, it worked. And I was like, oh god, oh god. I hope this movie scares the shit out of me. I don't hate a hundred percent of jump scares. I'll be honest. Sometimes I think jump scares are fun. You know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. they're fun. I don't hate a hundred percent of jump scares. I do think some of them are cheap, but I do think some of them fucking work. But man, the nun was right. fucking garbage, Tristan. Terrible. Terrible. I would watch, I would watch Relic over, over the fucking nun. I remember being in the middle of the nun and just thinking like, I hope they all just die right now so this movie can end. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being in that movie and thinking, I hope I die right now so this will all end. <laughs> <laughs> I remember they, being yeah, in this. They really diluted those um, Conjuring movies with that garbage. Oh man, yeah, that whole universe, man. They, you know, I don't. Know. And then they attach all these different people to it that have been a part of that and like building it up. And it, it, the, the Nun was terrible, absolutely terrible. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to. Th but I don't hate everything Blumhouse does. I think Blumhouse does make some really fun shit. So, um, did you see the? Uh, I can't remember if you saw the uh, uh, Pleasure Island or, or Fantasy Island. Fantasy Island. I did. I had watched it, and I was going to cover it on the episode that week. I totally forgot to to go over Fantasy Island that week. I, but I did talk about it on Scenic Cast, I believe. Um, I did not really like that movie a lot. I thought it was kind of stupid. But, yeah. you know, I've, I've talked to other people and, and on Cinecast, they, you know, some of them thought it was so stupid it was fun. But it just didn't work for me. Gotcha. Did you see it? No, I have not. I was, uh, searching for, a an endorsement of it, but. Yeah. Did not give that to me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what movie I will recommend is fucking, uh, Escape Room, if you haven't seen that one. I saw that. Yeah. I enjoyed that. That was fun as shit, man. It was. It, it was, uh, it had, uh, it had the actress from, uh, Daredevil in it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. She yeah. was also in True Blood. Oh, and yeah, the, yeah, yeah. and the, and the actor's name in that show that I couldn't think of was Lafayette. There you go. I just oh, thought uh, of it. The, the, oh, Uncle Clifford? 
Yeah, the Uncle Clifford guy reminded me of a mix of Lafayette and Lil Sweet from the Dr. Pepper commercials. <laughs> I knew it would come back to you. Lil Sweet. I love Lil Sweet commercials. I fucking love Lil Sweet. Yeah, you introduced me to that one time over at Jay's way back when, and oh, that was fucking hilarious. Oh, I fucking love Lil Sweet. Yeah, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just do a Google for Lil Sweet, Dr. Pepper, and watch watch all the commercials. They're fucking fantastic. Yeah, we watched like all six commercials back to back on Jay's Porsche. And I was just rolling. They're still making them too. They're still making little sweet commercials. It sells. Yeah, it sells. It fucking sells Diet Dr Pepper. Like I was buying Diet Dr Pepper like a motherfucker back when they were like really promoting the little sweet. <laughs> Sometimes the product placement in the movies works. You know what soap I only use now? It's I only use Ajax because of Deadpool. I'm not even joking. <laughs> if I look right behind me, I've got Ajax soap, the liquid soap. I buy Ajax because of fucking Deadpool. It worked, Jake. Yeah, it's a good product that. placement. When it doesn't seem forced and when they do actual, like, fun stuff with it, it, it can really work. Yeah, you got to see, that's the thing. I, I think, like, you know, like, in all reality, like, we all drive around. There's so much product placement in our real world that, like, for me, it just... I mean, I know it stands out in movies, but my God, it's like we're we're constantly bombarded by p- product placement, no matter where we go, even in the real world. Oh yeah. So, I don't know. Some of the old I I love product placement, especially when I watch movies for the '90s, where you're talking about like fucking like stuff that they don't even make anymore. You know, or you can look at like the old Pepsi can, like in Home Alone. Oh yeah, old Doritos bags. Old Doritos bags. You know the Doritos bag they haven't changed it. The taco flavor still looks the fucking same. Yeah, they kind of went at one point they did, but then they went back retro with it. Yeah. What was the? the, the I'm watching Home Alone, and he's fucking eating a bag of chips, and it was what was those? Was it like those crunch t- crunch gators? Those crunch tater? It's like the. It's got like the alligator on the front of the bag. What was that? What was that shit called? Tater skins. No, not tater skins. That was Keebler. Okay. Okay. No, this was like a gator. There's like a, an alligator on the front of this fucking thing. I know you're talking about crunch taters. Crunch taters or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it had an alligator on the front. And you know, you're watching these old movies and you're like, Oh my God, I remember that. I fucking remember that. They stopped making it. There's like, you know, every once in a while I watch like an old, and that's when I appreciate like the, the product placement is like in these old movies when it just like takes me back to like some of these products that they don't make anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I was, um, watching the Princess Bride and looked in the back of, uh, Fred Savage's bedroom and you see like, like the Cheetos bag and it's like the old school Cheetos bag and, and mm-hmm. and I and then um Deadpool recreated that bedroom for Once Upon a Deadpool. So I'm yeah. wondering where they get like where do you get these old school bags to do this? Yeah, like where are they getting that shit? That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um Inmate number one, the rise of Danny Trejo. Um any of you guys get a chance to see this one? I did. I did not. 71 years in the making, inmate number one, The Rise of Danny Trejo, is the feature documentary experience revealing the extraordinary life journey of Hollywood's most unlikely hero, Danny Trejo. From an early life of drugs, armed robbery, and hard prison time, to the red carpets of Hollywood blockbusters, and helping troubled addicts, 
Danny gives a first-hand account of one of the greatest transformations of human character ever put the film. To this day, Danny continues to counsel recovering addicts and speak at state prisons. After 46 years of sobriety, he never forgets his roots and pays forward that which has been bestowed on him. Having spent 71 years starring in a personal expedition that outshines in any Hollywood fiction, Inmate Number 1, The Rise of Danny Trejo, is the shocking story of one man's capacity to overcome his demons only to discover redemption through the most unlikely of journeys, through the exploration of his old stomping ground and his supporting cast of family, friends, and some of the world's biggest stars. Join Danny Trejo as he delivers a raw and sobering account of his transformation from a hardened criminal to celebrated Hollywood icon and beloved friend of all who cross his path. It's directed by Brett Harvey. And uh, this one actually came out earlier this month, like I think on the 7th. And um, I forgot that it had come out and I didn't watch it last week. And then I was like, oh, my God, I got to watch this fucking thing because I, I I've been dying to see this. Uh, it's about an hour and 40 minutes. And, like, you know, I knew a little bit about him. But I guess unless you've, like, watched him do a bunch of interviews or and listened to him or actually gone to, like, one of his, like, you know, um, uh, talks that he has with, like, you know, former with, – with drug addicts or prisoners and stuff like that, like, you might not know everything there is to him. I learned a lot. About Danny Trejo in this documentary oh, yeah. that I did not know, Tristan. Like, same. First off, Tupperware for me, like the highest of Tupperwares on this one. Like, and I'm also gonna say, like, we watched. You know, we we live in a world where like we watched like the the Mister Rogers documentary, and we're all like, oh my god, I wish I wish there was a. Uh, you know, I wish Mr. Rogers was around today. We need that. We need that kind of voice. And I'm like, even yes. though these guys are so different, they're so alike. It's cra- yes. like, and I'm thinking like we have, it's crazy. <laughs> we have a voice like Mr. Rogers now, but it's Danny Trejo. <laughs> and he has like, but, but, but what makes him different than Mr. Rogers is that Mr. Rogers can't, I don't think Mr. Rogers could sit down with, like, I think he could sit down with a convict and talk to him, but I don't think that he can sit down with a convict or a hardened criminal and talk to them and really understand where they're coming from. Oh yeah. And make a difference and make a difference in their life. Like maybe Danny Trejo can, can like mm-hmm. a guy that's lived this fucking life. And Tristan, I know you're chomping at the bit to talk about this and I, I want to open it up with you. So like, what did you think about this? Yeah, so right off the bat, I'm going to give this a Tupperware too. Like, I really enjoyed it. I'm a little biased because here in LA, like, Danny Trejo is the man. Like, everyone loves him over here. And he's like one of those guys that you, that you see out and about. Like, he, like, you'll go into a bar and see him there. Like, he's like one of those kind of guys. And he also has a bunch of restaurants around LA. He, um, has Trejo's Tacos. Uh, a few of those, and he has um, Trejo's Donuts, he has Trejo's uh, Cantina, um, and those are all over L.A. with his face on it, and highly successful. And just two fucking days ago, I had a, a fucking delicious Trejo uh, quesadilla, like two days ago. Like, he's he's the man over here. But with that being said, I didn't expect to like this documentary as much as I did. Like I knew him as a character actor. First time I ever saw him was in Con Air. No, I saw him before that, but the first time I really noticed him was in Con Air. 
think he was like Johnny Seven or something like that. Um, he had done like Heat before that, and he does. I think he did Desperado, but for some reason, my first memory of him is Con Air, and he's just a guy that everyone recognizes if you saw him, even if you didn't know his name. And it's just remarkable to see the transformation that this guy underwent because you, there's a lot of people who had a rough path growing up. Like they can say, Oh, I was into drugs or I was into crime. And then I became successful and got over it. Like this guy was like a career criminal and he was such a badass growing up that watching the documentary, I started not liking him in the beginning because of the things he was doing. Like I was watching his, his upbringing and, you know, he was like a stick up kid. He would rob people and do all kinds of horrible shit. And, and I was even thinking to myself, like, fuck Danny Trejo. (laughs) 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 Like he sounds like a horrible fucking guy. And, and then he goes to fucking prison after prison. And Jake, like this dude was so fucking badass that like when he became a movie star, um, people like were still like afraid of him. Like they were like, like, like the legend of Danny Trejo in the prisons. Like everyone still knew that he was that guy that was running the prisons. Like, like I, cause they would go and shoot movies in the prisons and people would recognize him and, and st- his name still carried weight. Like Danny Trejo was not to be fucked with. Dude, they, yeah, they <laughs> like, fucking, uh, blood in, blood out. Like I don't know if you ever seen that yeah. movie, but I fucking, yeah, yeah. I watched that movie like right after it came out. And, but I didn't know anything about, you know, Danny Trejo at the time, but I remember fucking watching that movie and they filmed it at fucking San Quentin. Yeah, yeah. And this guy had such a bad, um, upbringing and, and criminal background, got addicted to heroin when he's 12. Like a kid. 12. Yeah. Yeah. Addicted to heroin. 12 when he's years kid. old. Jesus. Yeah, and he's like going around robbing people, and and they get into fucking, his they get into his family. Fucking, he got it. He like he his, I mean, his father was so hard on him, and with you know, his father didn't think that he was like you know, being kind of like being the man that he wanted him to be growing up to be, and so he'd tell him to go like wash dishes with his mom. His dad was very like toxic, and so Danny kind of like uh, gravitated towards his uncle, his uncle Gilbert. And, it, Gilbert, yeah. and he was the youngest of like the brothers, like of his father's brothers. And yeah. him and Danny were just like, he was just like best friends with his uncle Gilbert. But uncle Gilbert was, you know, the criminal, the family criminal, like the black sheep of the family. And yeah. like this guy, but like nobody fucked with uncle Gilbert. You know, they, they talked about like how this guy would like, if he walked by you, you just, you didn't fuck with him. Like everybody knew who he was. And, you know, that's the kind of guy that, that, that fucking, you know, that, that, um, Danny Trejo kind of like became. And he was no joke, man. Like, they fucking talked about his time in, in, in these prisons. Like, and it's not like he just went to San Quentin. He went to all of them because they, he was one of like the ringleaders and they were trying to break up. Like, they were trying to confuse all these like gangs and stuff like that in these prisons so that they didn't have like a, a leader. So they moved him to like all six or seven prisons around that area. Like he went to Fulton. He went everywhere. Um, yeah. and then they talked he about did. him in the, I was, I was blown away that fucking, he was like the San Quentin boxing champion for three years straight, 66, 67 and 68. Yeah. He fucking yeah, spent he, like nearly, he lost most of like, he lost, I think he was in, was he in prison for like over a decade? 
he was in prison for like 10 years or something like that. Yeah, like he, he lost was in most quite of quite a while. He lost most yeah. of the 60s. He didn't get released until 69. And he got fucking yeah. prison tattoos. And that was like one of the big things and like all these fucking like when he started to go get, make his way into Hollywood, like they wanted to see these tattoos cuz these tattoos were legit. Yeah. Like that this is, you know, this is ink he was getting while he was in like in San Quentin. And he tells a story about how his life just could have completely been changed in San Quentin, where I think there, like, he threw like a rock at a guard's head oh, or something. God, yes. And so he threw a rock at the guard's head, and that's like an immediate death penalty if you do that, because it's like deadly force against a guard or something like that. Like the guard got hit with the rock and couldn't point him out, and so that's why he didn't he didn't get the death penalty. If the guard would have said his name. He would have yeah. been, he would have been dead. Yeah. And so this guy gets out of prison and eventually starts getting these bit roles and things. And finally, you know, he's, he's the guy that everyone casts as prison, num- prisoner number one, inmate number one, uh, Mexican gangster number two, you know, he's like that guy. And I didn't realize he had over 360 credits. Yeah. In yeah. His name. Like he grew up idolizing John Wayne and there's a part where he talks about like how he passed up John Wayne in movies, mm-hmm. you know, which is crazy. He would talk uh, about like in his family, how like when John yeah. Wayne would come on screen, he'd make his kids fucking stand up and salute the Duke. Yeah. <laughs> and then later on they talk about how, no, your kids should be standing up and saluting you. You've surpassed the Duke. Yeah. And I, his time in solitary confinement. I was just like, Jake, he was, they, they had him in solitary confinement for weeks, maybe even a month. And, it, you know, he's starting to lose his mind. And I guess he started to reenact scenes from the Wizard of Oz while he was in solitary confinement. Yeah, he's like, the only way to stop him going crazy in solitary confinement is just to play a movie in your head back and forth. And that was the movie that he chose. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and you know, this, this is just, just incredible. This guy is paying his entire life forward. He's paying his entire life forward. He's trying, and he still doesn't feel that he's made up for all the bad things that he's done in his life. But there was a true change in this man. And it's fucking, it's amazing. Um, when they talked about his mom passing away and not his real birth mother, the woman that just raised him, that ra- like, and she raised him. Like she oh, was shit. his the Kermit own. part. Oh man, I almost lost it there. The Kermit part. Oh, me too. Me too. Yeah. Me too. The, yeah. He's filming the Muppet movie, and as he's filming the Muppet movie, his mom passes away. And while they're on set, the actor that's playing Kermit, and it's one hundred percent sincere. Yeah. He's mouthing Kermit, and he and he says he says to Danny, you know, I'm sorry you lost your mommy. And like he hadn't, he hadn't reacted to the death of his mother at all. And that's when he lost it. He bawled. He just fucking bawled his eyes out. And like this is, you know, this is a guy who like after his father died, he fucking stayed strong for his mother. And here he is like when mom's gone, he lost it in this moment. And you know, just to see like this guy who was like so hard and badass, like doing movies like Spy Kids and, and stuff like this just, this is just such an uplifting fucking film. It makes you want to be a better person. It's a fucking, I, I Tupperware the fuck out of this. Inmate number one, the Danny Trejo story, 
the rise, yeah. excuse me, the rise of Danny Trejo. And it's on video on demand. I'm sure it'll be available in the future on a service, maybe Amazon or something like that. But like, if you can watch this now, I highly recommend it. It is, it is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And I want to add that it wasn't just, you know, the bit roles he was getting, you know, playing inmates and villains and things like that. It's like this guy somehow went from a guy who should have been dead in prison, <laughs> getting the death penalty. Then all of a sudden he's like, a Mexican black, you know, the black exploitation, which they called it mex exploitation. Yeah, you know, the, the, he's like leading his own film. Uh, machete, and, which, which, yeah, mach- machete, yeah, which, right, right, which, you know, the first one. From, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so and the first one was just, great. Just the fact that he was able to, yeah, the first one was really good, yeah, and it was over the top. It was I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, but just the fact that this guy was able to build a resume, you know, where he's playing these bit parts in so many movies and then all of a sudden he's like the lead and he was talking about how who was the actor that was on the set with him that uh, De Niro was it? it was De Niro was De Niro oh so he was the bit he was the you know and he with De Niro and then all of a sudden he's starring in a movie and De Niro is the guy playing under him yeah <laughs> you know and, and that's crazy you know like just to go from that you know from what he started to to leading his own film like that that's insane and and it's more than just being an actor, you know, just the fact that he was able to transform so many lives like he was going to prisoners and talking to them and and, and addicts and, and encouraging them. And people can really relate to him because you can see he knows what he's talking about. Like you're saying earlier, Brian, it's like he can relate to people on a different level because he's been there and, and he probably was worse than them. Yeah. Oh, definitely. For sure. I mean, oh, you learn so much about him. You learn so much about his family. And you, you, it's, it's, it's almost kind of like impossible to kind of like, it's, it's to understand how he pulled himself out of this. Like how, like how deep he was into this. Like how hard it was to pull himself out of this. And they get into it. They get into it. He's tempted by his uncle Gilbert who shows up again trying to bring him back into the life. And here he is. Here he is fucking doing manual labor for people, just help, yeah. just helping people. And his uncle Gilbert, the guy that he fucking idolizes is just like, what the fuck are you doing? Look at you. And, uh, it's, but you know what? It's like, um, he, he he's talking to another guy who had a troubled past that, that got involved with Hollywood and started to, started to help make these movies. And this guy's like, you know that, you know, $8,000 that, you know, that you, he's like one day, like $8,000 that you're getting for this, like that one day that'll be, if you keep doing this, that'll be chump change. That'll be fucking, that'll be money that you just got lying around in your pocket. That'll just be money that you got in your pocket. It's nothing. He was doing, he was doing so many movies. They showed that like he would get calls like, Oh, what movie are you filming? He would just say, I don't know. He didn't fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> the guy's busy as shit. And he's not, it's not like he's just doing, but he's also not just doing movies. He's fucking changing other people's lives. He's paying his entire life fucking forward. And it's a, it's a fucking amazing. He's an amazing human being. An amazing fucking human being. Yeah. Didn't realize how old he was. 71. Doesn't even look 71. Yeah. He's looked the same my whole life. (laughs) Right. God damn. (laughs) I, I think like, I remember, I remember like, I mean, I, I remember seeing him, I remember him in Heat. But like I think like the first performance I really remember him in was probably Desperado, and then of course like you know from Dust Till Dawn I remember him in that. But uh, 
I thought he was a big breakout in. This is going to sound silly, but Spy Kids. The I mentioned. I mentioned. Movie. I mentioned Spy Kids, but man, I'm. Yeah, and and that might be that. You know, that might be true, but like, you know, I. I never watch. I never watched Spy Kids. You know, not my thing. So yeah, it holds up as an adult. Honestly, Robert Rodriguez does a lot of funny, clever stuff with those movies. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. I've never seen a single Spy Kids movie, so I don't know. They're fun. I believe that's where the Machete character first appears. No, the Machete character first appeared in the Grindhouse film. It was uh, a it was yeah, a fake trailer for the Grindhouse films. Yeah. When Tarantino the, and Rodriguez oh, did Spy Kids is way before that. No, I'm just saying like the Machete character showed up. Yeah, he he appears as Machete in Spy Kids long before the Grindhouse movies. Also his name is Machete in that? Yeah. Really? Oh, I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, his didn't name his character the first appearance of the Machete named character is definitely in Spy Kids one. Huh. Yeah. He is fully fledged that character in that movie. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know. I just like, I thought, it, like, they talked about in the documentary how the Machete, you know, they had that fake trailer for Machete, and then, um, how the response was so big for it that years later people were saying, like, when are we gonna get that movie? And they're like, oh, it's just a fake trailer. But they had such a huge response that they actually started to, to, you know, write for the movie, and then, and then they, they put it together. So I, yeah, I had no idea it came from a Spy Kids thing. Yeah, I just Googled Spy Kids 1, 2001, first appearance of Machete. Interesting. Yeah, I had no, had no clue. Yeah, and like I said, it's a kid's movie, but he is still fully fledged that character in the movie. I mean, it's a standout performance in that movie by him. Yeah, I probably won't be watching Spy Kids. Did, um, Sylvester Stallone still show up in one of those? Yes. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Crazy. Steve is the main villain in the second one. Hmm. You're just a, you're just an encyclopedia for Spy Kids, Jake. I love Spy Kids. I had all three on DVD. Jesus Christ! Um, I'm a huge Robert Rodriguez is one of my favorite filmmakers. Oh, I, I, honestly, I think he does amazing work with the kids' movies. Yeah, I like is him he, too. But. Is he doing a Mandalorian episode? I, I thought I heard something he about is. that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. that should be good. Money plane. Money plane. Who saw Money Plane? I did. I did not. Jack Reese is a professional thief deep in debt. Darius Crouch offers to give, to forgive Reese's debt if Reese commits a seemingly impossible robbery for him. The target is a money plane, a futuristic airborne casino filled with the underworld's most dangerous criminals. Grouch holds Reese family hostage to ensure that he will attempt the heist. This one is directed by Andrew Lawrence, the youngest of the Lawrence brothers. And yes, I'm talking about Joey Lawrence, Matthew, and, and Andrew, the Lawrence brothers. He's the youngest of them, and he's the director of, uh, of this movie. And all three of the Lawrence brothers star in this movie. Andrew Lawrence, if you, um, if you look him up and you watch this movie, he looks like a mashup of Daniel Radcliffe and Brendan Fraser. I'm looking this up. <laughs> it blew me away. He looks like he looks like Harry Potter and Encino Man fucked each other. And had <laughs> You're a, not wrong. And had You're not a kid. wrong, even with the facial hair. Yeah. Oh man, I, I definitely see uh, Encino Man there. Oh, totally Encino Man. But yeah, he had moments of Harry Potter too. 
Yeah. And a little bit of a, of a London brother. I don't know if J- Jason or Jeremy, they're very similar looking. I think they're twins. A little bit of a London brother in there as well. Hmm. Little bit of a London boys. Um, <laughs> this one stars, like I said, all three Lawrence brothers. <laughs> Adam Copeland. I guess he was the edge in WWE. Yeah. Kelsey Grammer plays the villain. We've got a, uh, yeah, cigar smoking Kelsey Grammer in this one. Smoking a lot of cigars. We got pipe smoking Thomas Jane in this one. Yeah, the Punisher. Pipe smoking Thomas Jane. He's also flood, he's also a drone flying Thomas Jane. Of course. We got, uh, uh, Denise Richards in this one as well. This is just, this, this, this cast is stacked. Stacked. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, money plane, basically in this one, you've got a crew and they owe a debt to Darius Grouch. And that's played by Kelsey Grammer. And Jack Reese, played by The Edge, owes him some money. And so he sends him on this fucking job, this robbery to steal this painting from this art museum. And, uh, it looks like it, it's a setup! It's a setup! There's no painting here! We've been set up! Let's get out of here! And he goes back to his boss, Darius Crouch, played by Kelsey Grammer, Frazier. And he's like, yeah, we, we, we couldn't get it. It was, we were set up! And he's like, well, I got one more job. I got one more job for you. I want you to rob the money plane. It's, it's, uh, it's a plane and anything can happen on the plane. There's game, there's like gambling going on in this plane and it's got the worst criminals in the world. And we're talking about sex traffickers. We're talking about fucking, you know, terrorists. Just the worst people in the world. And there's a lot of like illegal gambling and betting that goes on in the plane. You know, I'm talking about like bets of like, you know, you've got, they throw a guy into a, like a fucking, what was it? What was the first one? Like a guy, the guy, they put him in like a, a pool with like a, like a shark or some shit. <laughs> or was it, was it a snake or something? A snake yeah. or piranhas? Was it a piranha? Yeah. Was it piranhas? Yeah. I think it might have been piranhas. And they're like, how long, how long will the guy live? And you gotta place bets on like how long the guys will, guy will live. You know, so it's like, and it's the whole, the whole game, the, the whole casino is run by Joey Lawrence. Yes. And so, and so, uh, the, the movie, this movie sounds amazing. The more you talk about it, I'm not going to lie. And, um, Denise Richards is, is, uh, his, uh, his wife and they got a daughter. And, uh, so he's going to go up there and they're going to rob the, the money plane. He's got a tech guy. He's got a tech guy. He's got a badass kind of like, Poor man's version of Black Widow. <laughs> She's up there with him. And then he's got the ground guy that's doing the stuff on the ground, which is, you know, Andrew Lawrence playing Iggy. Andrew Lawrence, the youngest of the, of the Lawrence brothers who looks like Daniel Radcliffe and Encino Man. He's on the ground and his name is Iggy. And then he's got his old partner that they used to get into like, you know, crime with and, and all this shit. Played by Thomas Jane, who looks like your fucking uncle now. 
Man, what a transformation there, right? He, that, he, he, man, Thomas Jane did not look cool. <laughs> he usually looks pretty fucking cool, right? Well, he, I mean, I remember him being in that show on HBO Hung, and that wasn't that long ago, and he looked drastically different. Really? I just remember him as like the Punisher and just looking like a badass. He looked super cool, and now he just looks like, I don't know, man. He just looks like, your uncle or some shit. I mean, I don't yeah. know, man. <laughs> Not but very threatening. I don't. I don't know what you thought about this, Tristan, but I thought it was fun as shit. <laughs> I fucking. I had a great time with this fuck. It's terrible. It's a terrible fucking movie. Like it's terrible. The acting's awful. The edge. His eyes are wide open the entire fucking movie. Like he. Like he just had like. Like he downed like four dozen <laughs> five hour energy drinks. Like his, he's not a terrible actor. He's though. bad. Like, not, I don't think he was terrible though. Like I thought, like for a wrestler, he was serviceable. He's not. <laughs> he's he is not Batista. He is not John no, Cena. Not. Well, I don't know about Batista. He's got. He's definitely not. He's not Rock. Yeah, he's got exactly. one look on his face, and it's open your eyes as wide as possible. <laughs> You know, like, have you ever taken your eyes and, like, tried to open them up with your fingers and your thumb and you're like, ah, that's what his eyes just look like naturally. He looked like he was fucking, like, he had been drinking, like, Red Bulls for days, like, five-hour energy drinks. Like, he had been drinking five-hour energy drinks for five hours. His eyes were just, like, they were just so fucking, like, they were just so wide open. They were just so huge and wide open. Like, and that's the only expression he had. Like, he was just shocked the entire time. Like, he was always learning something. <laughs> Looking like Schwarzenegger when he goes outside in Total Recall. Yeah. And his eyes are going fucking crazy on Mars and shit when he gets exposed <laughs> to the Mars fucking atmosphere. And his eyes. <laughs> but, man, he I didn't think he was a good actor. But I think that that adds to the charm of this movie. And Joey Lawrence's fucking hair was ridiculous in this. Now, when I saw his hair, I went, whoa, whoa. I did not know it was going, dude, I didn't know what was going on with his hair. But I, I, this movie was so silly and ridiculous. And then his brother Matthew is a gambler on it and he's dressed like a Texan, looks like fucking Yosemite Sam. But he literally has like this fucking like handlebar mustache, talks, he looks like Yosemite Sam. And dude, dude, I, I fucking love this movie. It's so bad it's good. It's so bad it's good. Like I, I want to own this movie. I hope we get, I hope there's one more job that they have to do. I hope we get money plane number two. I want more. I want more of this movie. I fucking loved it. It was, it was, I had a blast watching this. This, this movie was so much fucking fun. It's, and I don't know if it's like a Tommy Wiseau thing where they don't, where they think they're making something good and they don't realize how shitty it is and how bad it is. But then, (laughs) but then on the flip side, it's so shitty and so bad that it's actually fun and good. I don't know. I feel like they have to be aware from the trailer. Okay, so I read um, some interviews with the Lawrence brothers, and supposedly they are aware, and they were saying we were intentionally making a B action movie, and they were trying to be self-aware, and they were trying to give you what they gave you. 
But I honestly think it's bullshit. And, and here's why. Like, I think they were aiming for, you know, I mentioned Con Air earlier, like, you know, like a B level movie from the nineties, but those movies are so much better than this. Like as far as just the production quality, I think they were aiming for something like that and saw it wasn't going well. And they were like, well, fuck it. Like, let's just like go all in. Yeah. You know, like, I think that's kind of where it would happen. Like they were trying to do something better because it's not like a Velocipaster or something where, you know, they're trying to yeah. do shit. Totally. Like, totally. But it, it seems like they're like edge is taking himself very seriously. Yes. Yeah, no, it felt like I kept thinking to myself like during this movie, it kept it, it I kept thinking to myself it was like it felt like the edge was getting bored after retirement and just wanted to make a movie and so his friends entertained him and said, "Yeah, let's make this let's make this movie with you. Let's make this movie with you, you wide-eyed looking fucker." And so they they made this movie with Mr. Wide-Eyed fucking – what is Adam Copeland is his name? Yeah. And they made this movie with him. And I'm not knocking you, sir. I'm not knocking you. You made a fucking movie. You did it, buddy. You made a fucking good movie. Job. You and good job. Good for you. You Put made that a poster you, in your house. I don't the edge. I don't know where the edge of his eyeballs are because they went on forever. <laughs> Jesus Christ, his eyes were just like fucking like just so wide open this entire movie. It was ridiculous. Like I didn't know if he had eyelids. It's like it's like it's his eyes are just so wide, wide open in every it, scene. It's kind of jarring to see him as like the leading man. Like I know that certain people get typecast, but he seems like the guy that would be like the henchman. Like you want me to handle it, boss? Oh, totally, like totally. That. And I don't think that, I don't think that his man bun helped that. No, not at all. Like when you see man bun, you're thinking evil henchman. Yeah, exactly. Man bun is um, totally like evil henchman guy. Like, you, like evil henchmen usually have the man bun. He was really rocking that man bun until the end of the movie. When they could finally sit back and relax. And I think that that was the director's choice. I think that that was the director's choice. He was wound pretty tight. As tight as that man bun. And then at the end of the movie, when everything all works out, he finally let his hair out. And that was telling us as an audience, like, hey, it's time to get loose. It's finally time to relax. Let's show off these fucking locks. (laughs) I thought it was interesting that um, Denise Richards is second billing and she's on the poster, but she's in this movie like 45 seconds. Totally <laughs> 45 seconds. I think she owed like one of the Lawrences a favor or something. She was in this movie so, like, and she really brought nothing to it except for nothing her name, Denise Richards. Yeah. Yeah. And she shows up. You can tell she was on set maybe what? A couple hours? Yeah. <laughs> and... Yeah, it was barely there and, and gone. And they have her on the poster, front and center. They have her second billing. It's Kelsey Grammer, I'm, I'm surprised they were able to get him to agree to this. But he like, did so much in this movie, though. He yeah. was in it a lot. I read that um, it was such a low budget that they said a dog kept barking next door. <laughs> and he would have to get his lines in before the dog barked. <laughs> He said a guy was mowing his lawn and a dog was barking. This movie was fucking amazing. I had so much fucking fun watching this ridiculous fucking movie. You had, oh my God, it was just so ridiculous. I'm trying to think, like all the different bets that they had. They had the, didn't they have like the, did the, did the one guy have to fight like a, a bear or some shit? I can't remember. 
Yeah, they had. I know one involved like thought snakes or something, but yeah, then another one had a bear or something. Oh, and then the, and, the Russian roulette game was fucking okay, great. So, all right, so I didn't enjoy this as much as you did, Brian, because I was expecting something serious, and I guess I didn't go into it with a hey, this is a self-aware movie mentality. <laughs> yeah. But, and so I was ready, like halfway through, I was ready to fucking toss this movie. But that Russian roulette <laughs> made, made me laugh for like a minute and a half straight. This is, I'm telling you, this is the perfect movie to fucking like rent and get all your friends together. Be socially distanced, wear your masks, get all your friends together. And then fucking just like drink and enjoy this fucking movie. I am not even kidding you. It is so fucking ridiculous and fun. Thomas Jane is controlling a drone in this movie and shooting bad guys. You got, you know, you've got, you got Matthew Lawrence dressed like Yosemite Sam playing fucking Russian roulette. You got the edge with his eyes wide open the entire fucking movie. <laughs> Yeah, you know what, I, I thought that, um, I thought this film, okay, so this is supposed to be like a billion dollar heist, right? Yeah. And, you know, Crypt, it was cryptocurrency. Heist, They're stealing cash and cryptocurrency on this plane. So billion dollar heist, and you would think like you would have like some adequate prep, but he, the edge gets them together, and like, I, I kid you not, in like a minute and a half, he's like, okay, so you become an employee, and I'll take over the pilot, and then you break into the safe. Okay, let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> and they just go into the fucking ice. Uh, Man of action. Yeah, there's no model of the plane. There's no blueprint or anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I, oh, there's, there's, a, there's a scene in the cockpit, oh, man, where he's fighting the pilot. And that, that was hilarious. Too. Oh, my God. And the pilot, of course, is like fucking like – you know, like Andre the Giant, like they got the big show to be the fucking pilot, like this gigantic pilot. <laughs> I love this movie so much. It was so fun. It's so fun and so stupid. I love, I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I fucking loved it. I fucking loved it. I think it's so ridiculous. And I still don't know if it's self-aware, like as they were filming it. I don't know if they were going... You know what I mean? Like, I do feel like this might be a Tommy Wiseau thing, like, where they thought, like, they were making this movie. And then... Well, it, as I mentioned, like, usually when it's a self-aware, the actors kind of play it like they're self-aware. But I think, like, so many of the actors were, like, it seemed like they were really trying to give you something good. Yeah. And, yeah. And and that's what makes it a little confusing as to what the intentions were but i don't know but yeah like but i'm glad it, it was made enjoyable if you just if you just want to poke fun at it it's a, it's enjoyable in that regard oh my god i couldn't get enough of it i thought it was fantastic i fucking loved it i thought it was so good i was so happy with this movie i didn't want it to end i just wanted it to keep going i i want a sequels i want this to be like a sharknado thing i want money plane too i want more money planes <laughs> I want multiple money planes. That was so fucking good. Yeah. Should they do like different vehicles, like Money Train next? It's been done, right? Money Train. That was Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! And then oh, that Money Submarine. And that one guy that murdered his wife. You remember? Wait, you know oh, what? I'm, uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. This is true. This is true. Yeah. Let me go to fucking, I gotta go, let me say IMDB. Everybody's gonna think I'm fucking crazy. 
He got off scot free just like OJ too. It was around the same time wow. too. Money, money train. I saw that. I saw money train in the theater. Yeah, it was uh, wow. Robert Robert Blake. I didn't even look it up. Robert, Robert Blake. Blake. Yeah. Robert Blake. Yeah. I remember watching like a fucking like 2020 or a Dateline or some shit about Robert Blake. Dude, he fucking, you know, he fucking killed her. Right. It was like, she yeah. went like, it was at, uh, like a restaurant or something like that after she went to a restaurant. Fucking crazy. Is he still yeah. alive? Is Robert Blake still alive? That's... Uh, yeah, he's 86 years old. Jesus Whoa. Christ. Yeah. Robert fucking Blake. Man, yeah, he was like the fucking, like, po- like the police chief or something in, uh, Money Train. I saw that in the theater. I fucking loved Money Train. Dude, um, Wesley was it? Snipes and Woody Harrelson, they had such great chemistry in the two movies they did. Yeah. I wish it continued. Oh my god, we need another one. Yeah. Complete the trilogy. <laughs> oh, yeah, give me more, give me more, give me more! Um, this episode's terrible, gentlemen. I, know. I, I want to argue, but I cannot. I don't know. You can help me out. You guys can help me out here. I'm drowning. <laughs> Fucking drowning here. Got nothing. Got nothing. All right, let's take a break. We'll come. Uh, Tristan, do you have any personal good pop, bad pop? Please say no. Please say no. Please say no. Yes, oh. I do. All right, what do you got? That's gonna be quick. Um, yeah. I, any of you guys catch second season of the Twilight Zone? No, no, no. I, I honestly, I watched a little bit of the first season, never completed the first season. Um, well, well, yeah, I'll be quick. It's, um, first season was a little, a little better than this one. I'm a big fan of just the original uh, Twilight Zone. Yeah. It's one of my favorite shows just to revisit. Like, I'll just throw on a random episode on Netflix and this reboot is, it's commendable, like, but it's very hiddenness. And through the first and second season, you'll get a good episode, um, and you'll get like bad episodes or, or not so great episodes, and you just don't really know what you're gonna get. Mm. And so for that, you know, I would just kind of ta- give this season a taste. It it's not reaching what Black Mirror is doing. Yeah. And overall, yeah. Um, I mean, much respect to the Twilight Zone because it created a lot of these concepts and things that you see in shows and a lot of the twists that you see but but even the original series i mean there's like 140 episodes of the original series and even some of the a, a lot of those suck too well, there's I like f- a lot of great ones that we remember yeah but it was very hit and miss as well well i felt like and, the, i feel like the twilight zone like a lot of it is just like reimagining what rod serling did but putting a modern day twist on it yeah some of its new concepts and, and actually one of the episodes in the second season directly picks up from one of the classic Twilight Zone episodes. Hmm. Oh, so, wow. like Which it, one? Yeah. Um, to Serve Man. Okay. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so they uh, bring certain characters back. And overall, I mean, it, they're very well-made episodes. They're, they're shot very beautiful. Like the cinematography, the direction, all that is very, very cool. Um, they get really big stars to do these things just this season. You know, there was, um, uh, uh, Joe McHale. There was, um, Marina Bakarin from, uh, Deadpool. Um, Tony Hale, uh, Billy Porter, um, Journey Smollett, Damon Waynes Jr., Topher Grace. You know, they get like a big name, you know, at least a moderate name for each episode. And 
the episodes, you know, they're enjoyable, but like I, as I mentioned, they're not hits. Hit after hit after hit. It's you know, like, you know, all these actors are thinking to themselves, God damn it, I got a call from Jordan Peele and I was really hoping it was. I gotta his, do it. Well, they were thinking like, I hope it's his next fucking movie. <laughs> He's like, I want you to do this Twilight. Yeah, Twilight. Zone. And they're like, oh, <laughs> fuck. Oh, oh, uh, the Twilight Zone thing on CBS All Access? Flaccid dick. I hope, I was thinking this was going to be the next us or get out and you're calling me about the CBS All Access Twilight Zone. Okay, I'll do it. All right. Yeah, and Jordan Pill's not writing these episodes. He's just putting his face on it. He's probably giving a little input. He's, he's the narrator in the beginning and the end, but it's like he photoshops himself into it. Like you can tell, like it's not even on the set. <laughs> like this guy didn't even show up to the set. I don't know if it's, you know, if he did this post COVID or what, but he's clearly not even on the set on some of these when he does his little cameo. Yeah. And, uh, but overall it's, it's, it's like the good episodes make it worth it, but it's like, it's literally like duck, duck, goose and shit, you know, but miss, miss hit, miss, miss hit. Like that's how it is. Yeah. And, and it's better just to talk to people and say, hey, what are the good episodes and watch those. Right. Yeah. And you might be able to – I guess, yeah, it's kind of a crapshoot. Like, I don't know. Like, that's the thing with the first season. That's kind of why I dropped off. I watched, you know, a couple episodes, you know, here and there, and I was just like, you know, some of them weren't great, so I just didn't stick with it. I saw that I, – I remember watching the – I remember watching the Adam Scott episode and then the Kumail Nanjiani episode. Oh yeah, those the the first two episodes yeah. of the first season. Yeah. yeah. All right. Was that all? Was that all? That was it. Oh, I want to I want to um, piggyback on what you mentioned a couple weeks ago. Uh-huh. I'll be gone in the dark is fucking phenomenal. I love that fucking show, and oh, that God, leaves yeah. me hanging on to the. I can't wait until the next episode comes out. I haven't watched the third one yet. I watched the second one, but I haven't had time this week to watch the third one. I'm gonna knock that out tomorrow. Tomorrow Sunday is like my day to just like catch up on like everything yeah, and that is uh, a great docuseries yeah it's so Couple good yeah that's the uh um michelle mcnamara uh crime drama uh, crime drama that they're kind of talking about the the uh bay area rapist it's it's fascinating it's really fascinating yeah yeah Oh, I guess the edge's eyes are just like there's he's, <laughs> he just keeps him so wide. Like he's got like this like this surprised I don't like like this shocked look on his face the entire time. This poor kid could probably like never hide anything when he was a kid, right? Like if he ever did anything <laughs> suspicious. Well, and they got him gambling. They got him playing poker and it's like I don't know what his tell is. Oh, I guess his tell is like when his fucking eyes are just fucking wide the fuck open. That's a, that's him all the time. I don't, he's the most amazing poker player in the world. He has no tell. <laughs> a third of the budget was probably on the cocaine for him. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, let's break it up, boys. Okay. Yeah. Break it down. No, we're not, we're going to break it up, Jake. We're not going to break it down. I don't know. Why, why you got to argue with me? I thought we were going to like do some beatboxing or something. I said we're going to break it up, and then you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going to break it down. No, no, sir. There will be no breaking down of anything. We're going to break it up. (laughs) All right? You're so argumentative. I know, I know. I'm fine. I'll break it up. 
oh, finally, now you're, now you're, now you're complicit with what I'm saying. But earlier you were all wanting to break it down. Let's break it down. Just I thought got, we had time for both. We're going to be here all fucking night, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> if I got to break it down and then break it up, I mean, Jesus Christ, Jake. I don't have, I don't, I don't even know what we're talking about right now. <laughs> 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 that was a great pause. <laughs> we'll be right back. Hi. I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here, too, one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day, you two will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt, and the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that PopCultureLeftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right, we're back. God damn it. I think I'm going to title this episode the the, the shit emoji. <laughs> Just the actual emoji? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not against it. Yeah, like when this episode, like when it like it's ready to download and everybody's ready to download and listen to all the shenanigans this week, it's just going to be the fucking poop emoji. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty accurate. I'm not even joking. This is fucking terrible. I was thinking maybe the yellow face that's vomiting might be good too. It's vo- it's vomit. It's definitely it's poop. I'd say it's poop. It's fucking poop. Yeah, poop is worse than vomit. You think on the power rankings? I say use a thumbs up because I'm having a great time. Okay, power rankings for poop and vomit. Would you rather vomit vomit or would you rather vomit poop? Ooh, that definitely makes it more clear. Yeah. It's I'm poop. On your side now. This is poop. <laughs> like if I started fucking vomiting poop, oh my god! Uh, trip to the ER. Poop started coming out my mouth. Yeah, we got problems. <laughs> that's that's this that's this episode. We definitely have some problems. This one. I'm blaming myself. I know it's all me. No, I, I want to take some of this blame off your shoulders. Well, I got you, you. You should, as you should. Thank you. I'm, Thank you. No, 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 zero thanks to you, sir. <laughs> no, I'll take the blame. I'm not Neil. Uh, yeah, there's not no, many are. Not many are. Uh, let's jump into the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. Uh, gangster as fuck news, my fucking ass. Um... <laughs> News from Dark Horizons, Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans are set to star in action thriller The Gray Man. The first project Joe and Anthony Russo will direct following Marvel Studios juggernaut 
Avengers Endgame. I guess they just produced stuff. So they were producers on 21 Bridges, the um, Chadwick Boseman movie. I watched that, saw that in the theater. And, it, it, like, man, I was really looking forward to that one. Wasn't that God? And uh, so what's that? I said, so I hear. I, I haven't seen it myself. Yeah, it wasn't. I hear glowing reviews. It wasn't really that good. But anyway, the Russo's Agbo label will produce the film, which is uh, based on the 2009 Mark Greeny novel that introduced the Gray Man, a freelance assassin and former CIA operative named Court Gentry. Gentry, played by Gosling, is hunted across the globe by Lloyd Hansen, played by Chris Evans, a former former cohort of Gentry's at the CIA. The project will be Netflix's biggest budget film to date. The aim to create a new franchise with a James Bond level of scale and a budget upwards of $200 million. Joe Russo penned the script while Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely polished it. So the guys, the writers... Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely that wrote the uh, Captain America films. I believe they did like Winter Soldier and and Civil War, those guys. And I think they did Infinity War and Endgame as well. Um, yeah, this is, I don't know, man. This is this is the two big stars. I don't know. I, are you looking forward to this one? Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like it's going to have some really great action if they're spending $200 million in it. And just them invoking, like, the James Bond idea makes me think just lots of really cool action set pieces. So, yeah, I, I definitely would give this a watch. Looking forward to is maybe strong, but would pay money to watch on VOD, definitely. Um, I think it's coming out on Netflix. I'm yeah, no, yeah, this is, yeah. this is Netflix. This, this is a Netflix thing. That Netflix is, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. If you were to listen yep. to what I said, I said Netflix's biggest budget film to date, but you didn't. Uh, and that just sorry. goes along with the, with the episode that we're having where, where nobody <laughs> knows what the fuck's going on. <laughs> uh, personally, I'm looking forward to it because we, if you look at the track record, the Russo brothers, I know they're Marvel movies, but they have not made a bad movie yet. And they're saying that this is going to have Winter Soldier vibes. Yeah. And so I'm really looking forward to it because people will tell you that that's one of the best Marvel movies. And and I think that concept can be put into the real world, you know, that, that sort of style of filmmaking. And just to see them reteam with someone they're very familiar with, an actor they're very familiar with, and also another big star – um, high caliber actor. It just has a recipe for success. There's nothing that can really go wrong here if they have leeway and, and freedom to do what they want to do. You've got a story, and I don't, I, I, I've never read the book. I don't know anything about the novel, but you've got, you know, CIA operative Court Gentry being hunted by Lloyd Hansen, played by Chris Evans. And I keep thinking to myself, if this movie is not better than Tommy Lee June, Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford in The Fugitive, then. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Like, it's gotta, like, I, and I think that, I think The Fugitive's a fantastic fucking movie. I think, like, you know, Tommy Lee Jones hunting him all over the place, and I think it's a great movie. Yeah. I just, is this gonna be better than The Fugitive? And it, it could be a completely different story, I don't know, but. I just take faith in the fact that the Russos 
are highly coveted in Hollywood and the fact that this is what they chose to be the next film, it has to be something special about it. So, you know, I'm just holding out hope on that. I don't know. I am skeptical that this is going to be good. Really? Yes. I'm very just skeptical. Based upon the premise? The premise, the Russos, I don't know if they, I mean, post Marvel, I don't know what, I, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know what they can do. They did. They did Twenty One Bridges. I think they were producers on that. They were producers on. Uh, I think Extraction, the Chris Hemsworth movie. Those are fun movies, but like, I don't think that. Yeah, but being a producer can be like, sure. oh yeah, I think you should hire Chris Hemsworth for this. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I think uh, you know Steven Spielberg's a fucking producer on all the Transformer films. You know, it doesn't say much. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I'm just, I'm skeptical, man. I'm skeptical. Yeah. Like, I don't know. We'll see what they, I just don't know what the Russos can bring us post Marvel. And like, this yeah. is, this is a big test for them. This is a big test for them. I just do- can't see it being terrible because I mean, they're, they make really good Marvel movies. So like, how are you just going to make a terrible ass movie after this? Like, I don't think superpowers is what makes the movies good. You know, I, I yeah. think they're able to, they're able to, make actors work well with each other they're able to find balance and tone and all that stuff and and i think the fact that i heard one of the actors i think it was like anthony mackie or somebody saying the fact that it's two of them they kind of play off of each other very well and and criticize each other when something doesn't work that's why these turn out so well Mm, so i'm keep i'm hopeful you know they're i think netflix is dumping a shitload of money in this so like it has to be it, it, just the fact that it's a Netflix movie doesn't mean anything, but the fact that they're that they're putting so much funds behind this thing, yeah, is, is promising. You don't always have to put a bunch of money into an action film and make a great movie, though. Look at Deadpool. You know what I mean? Right. Of course, of course. Yeah, it's yeah. a great point. And they, 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 I see what you're saying too, Brian. Like it's easy to kind of with the Marvel stuff. I mean, it's already just a red hot franchise. We've fallen in love with these characters, Jake. I, I love. You know, I love. We've seen those characters also like put in bad movies too you know it's just so it's not like a recipe for success just because it's a marvel movie too you know yeah yeah i mean we've, yeah, we've I, seen directors mishandle them i've seen iron man too yeah i've seen yeah. iron man too i've seen you know thor the dark world you know i've seen these movies that aren't beloved in the marvel universe and i'm not saying that everybody hates them but they're not beloved i've seen those yeah. movies but like i feel i don't how are the russos going to um introduce these new characters and i mean i think that uh, we're gonna have to care about them we're gonna have to care about uh, court gentry and um you know i do think it's interesting we're gonna have uh like who are you gonna be rooting for you know is is chris evans gonna feel like the the bad character in this one i think that's kind of cool you know like if he's the guy hunting this you know court uh court gentry character played by gosling i i I love i love chris evans is like kind of like the villain you know, I, I think he's really good yeah. at that. I think we've seen him, um, you know, play Captain America so long that we forget, like, you know, this guy can play. You know, he's got he's got a he's got a wider range than than we think. Like, I mean, you go back and watch him, in, and I'm not talking about a villain character, but you go back and watch him as the Human Torch. He was really snarky. He was not like, you know, Cap at all. He was not like the Steve Rogers that he played. Well, in, he was one of the best parts of those movies. Totally, too. totally, yeah. totally. So even more recently, like Knives Out, you kind of see that villainous side, you know, one hundred percent, absolutely. So, and if you guys see Finding Jacob, he's tremendous in that. Uh, defending and Jacob, 
defending, yeah. Yeah, yeah finding the correct title for that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right here, Tristan. <laughs> found me. Yeah, yeah. So, what is it? Defending Jacob. Yeah, he's great in that, too. And he plays a character that's not Captain America as well. And he does yeah. very well. Like, he's, he's a very underrated actor, I think. Dude, I'm like, I, I guess I'm skeptical. I love what I'm, I love, you know, and I fucking, I love, uh, Ryan Gosling. I think Ryan Gosling is, I, Drive is one of my favorite fucking movies. Mm, yeah. I love, and he's just a, just a quiet character. I fucking love him in Drive. He has no name in that movie. Really? Yeah, no name. Oh, that, that fucking, you know that, that fucking jacket in that movie? I always wanted to buy one of those jackets. They sell them online. I just think that with the scorpion, it's a badass jacket. I'm surprised yeah. you've never bought the bullet and done that. I just feel like I'd be a dork if I fucking walked around with a drive jacket on. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a dope ass jacket though. I just think I'd be, I'd, I'd look kind of dorky walking around with it. Cause I'm not as cool as fucking Ryan Gosling. He's a fucking cool ass dude. I think you could rock it. (laughs) Jake, that is so sweet. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I hope it's great, man. I hope the Russos post-Marvel can fucking give us some great fucking movies. And I I want some great movies to show up on Netflix, too. Um, I think uh, Power Project that we talked about earlier looks looks fantastic. It looks fantastic, in my opinion. I think it could be a... You know, fuck kind of fun. And this sounds promising, but man, I just, I don't know. We'll see what the Russo brothers can do without, uh, without, uh, Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios. I hope Agbo's the real deal. I hope these guys can, can, uh, live, live on post Marvel. Cause I, I feel like, you know, like we get teases of them coming back and doing like a big Marvel project. And I think that all kind of falls on the fact, like if Agbo's successful or not. Oh, I completely agree. Don't they have a multi-picture deal with Netflix too? Aren't they doing a couple projects? Possibly, yeah. I don't, I'm not sure if they signed a deal like you know, like with like like Ryan Murphy or. Mm. And they did uh, a movie with Tom Holland. I think I'm not sure when that's coming out. Which uh, which Tom Holland film? Um, they did a movie where Tom Holland's playing like an addict or something like that, mm. and I think it's I don't know if it's if it's going to be one of the Netflix films or what, but like. But yeah, I think that's like their first post-Marvel movie that they directed. Nice. It's interesting that all of their movies still have at least one principal actor from the Marvel movies. It makes sense, yeah. though. It's like a club or something. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Like, they work with those guys, and those guys love working with them. It says a lot about them as directors, man. Yeah, definitely. The people you never hear really anyone bat- Yeah, you never hear anyone bad-mouthing them, and people seem very thrilled just to work for them. Yeah, did you see like Anthony Mackie came out and said the MCU isn't that diverse? And then yes. the Russo brothers came out and they're like, yeah, we agree. Yeah, yeah. And he was like talking about like the actual production crew was what his big complaint was from what I read. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, he was, it was a little bit misreported. Um, he did say that and it is what he meant, but he meant more like the staff at the movies, like hmm. the, the cameramen, the grips, the the gaffers, like just yeah. the entire production crew apparently was a giant whiteout. Hmm. News from Slash Film. Gremlins fans have been consistently disappointed by the lack of development on Gremlins 3, but they may still have something to look forward to with HBO Max's upcoming animated series, Gremlins, 
Secrets of the Mogwai. The series is said to – do you think it's really going to reveal Secrets of the Mogwai? Is there like a fourth rule we didn't know about? <laughs> no, I don't think we're going to get any new secrets. Secrets of the Mogwai. The series is said to focus on how the Mogwai called Gizmo came to meet the shop owner, Mr. Wing, when he was just a young boy. But when the new series comes to HBO Max, it will be missing one key part of the original franchise. Gremlin's Secret of the Mogwai executive producer and writer Z Shun has confirmed that Howie Mandel will not be providing the voice of Gizmo in the animated series, despite the fact that he voiced the character in both both the first Gremlins movie and the sequel Gremlins 2, The New Batch. I forgot all about that. No, the sequel? I forget, no, I forgot that Howie Mandel was the voice. Oh, Howie Mandel. Yeah, he was the voice of, uh, of, uh, it sounded of like Gizmo. Bobby. Yeah. Yeah, it sounded just like Bobby. Yeah. Bobby. Uh, Shun, an executive story editor, co-producer, supervising producer, and writer from Fox's Batman prequel series Gotham was recently interviewed by Geek Vibes Nation. Doesn't that just geek, <laughs> geek vibes? That just sounds like every, every fucking, like all these fucking sites out there. Geeky tyrant. I'm trying to think. Like uh, every podcast out there has like something geeky or nerdy or something in the title. Feels geek, like Geek Vibes Nation may be one of the worst ones I've heard yet. Geek Vibes Nation, and he confirmed the disappointing casting decision. Howie Mandel quote Howie Mandel is not returning to voice Gizmo, but we will have some casting announcements soon. Uh, there was no reason given for why Howie Mandel won't be reprising the role of Gizmo. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if it has something to do with money. Howie Mandel's typical paycheck is probably a lot more now than it was back in 1984, largely thanks to the fact that he's one of the judges on the extremely popular America's Got Talent. Since HBO Max is likely trying to keep budgets as low as possible for original programming, it only makes sense to bring in someone else to voice Gizmo. Even though Mandel won't be back as the little Mogwai, Shun did reassure fans by saying, quote, there is definitely going to be some exciting cameos for people. Plus, Gremlins director Joe Dante is a consulting producer. but He's been looking at the scripts and artwork and giving his blessing to how this series expands the mythology of Gremlins. Uh, Chun added, uh, what we really wanted to do was create more stories set in the Gremlins universe. We also wanted to service the fans. You know, the fandom for Gremlins is so strong for movies that have been around for almost 40 years. We definitely have a lot of Easter eggs in Gremlins mythology that hopefully will satisfy long-term fans while also bringing in new fans. Uh, he also confirmed that there will be evil Mogwai in the series, though that's not really a new element of Gremlins since it was clear that the Mogwai that eventually become the slimy monstrous Gremlins had some darker personality traits, but there will apparently be a lot of mythology about the Mogwai in the series, which is described as having a very serialized story. Uh, Gremlins' secret of the Mogwai won't arrive until sometime in 2021, but here's the official synopsis. In the animated television ad adaptation, we travel back to 1920 Shanghai to reveal the story of how 10-year-old Sam Wing, future shop owner Mr. Wing in the 1984 movie, met the young Mogwai called Gizmo, along with a teenage street thief named L. Sam and Gizmo take a perilous journey through the Chinese countryside, encountering, sometimes battling, 
colorful monsters and spirits from Chinese folklore on their quest to return Gizmo to his family and uncover a legendary treasure. They are pursued by a power-hungry industrialist and his growing army of evil gremlins. Sounds fucking dumb. <laughs> it does sound just absolutely horrible. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. This sounds fucking dumb. <laughs> I don't think anyone has been clamoring for a gizmo prequel story. And what long-awaited Easter eggs are we supposed to give a shit about here? I don't know. Like, are we going to, oh, it's, look, it's Stripe. And what was going on before Gremlins won? Like, who gives a fuck? Oh, it's the, uh, the earlier ancestor to Stripe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what to say about this. I mean, I'll definitely check it out. I'm curious to see what the animation style they're going to use will be for this. It's uh, um, Listen to this shit, Jake. On their quest to return Gizmo to his family and uncover a legendary treasure. It's, it sounds like DuckTales when you put it like that. It sounds like fucking Goonies. It's like, it's like, it, oh, okay, we're going to get Gizmo back to his family, which by the time we get to the fucking 1984 movie, he's still with Mr. Wing. So that shit doesn't happen. <laughs> Spoiler. Spoiler. And then they're going to also, oh, so it's two things. We're going to, uh, there's a quest to return Gizmo to his family. And then they're all, oh, and uncover a legendary treasure. How fun. Oh boy. I, <laughs> Grand adventure awaits. God. It's an animated thing. It's for kids. And here I am. I'm pissing on it. But here's the thing. I just want Gremlins 3. If we're going to get anything Gremlins, this animated thing, it's just, I don't know. I guess, like, I guess there comes a point, Jake, when you haven't had anything Gremlins for so long that you have to do something to keep it in, um, you, you have to do something to keep it relevant. And sometimes they go this animated route where, like, the kids today have not been exposed to the Gremlins. So now we'll put, we'll give you a Gremlins animated show. And it just keeps the Gremlins alive so that maybe one day we will get another Gremlins feature film. Because if we're not going to get it now, I mean, I don't know what else you can do. I guess you do the animated thing to keep the property alive. You know, we saw that recently done with uh, with with Thundercats. You know, I mean, Thundercats has not got an, a, you know, a live action film. They tried a 2010 series or 2012 or whenever that came out. It didn't work. It lasted two seasons, got canceled. So now they did a, a, a younger version for kids. And, you know, like, I get it. Just try to keep the property alive somehow. But for me, this just sounds stupid. I hope kids love it. But for me, uh, I, I feel like, I don't know. I'll give this one episode, and if it doesn't grab me, I'm, I, I think I'm out, man. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I just don't understand what we're doing here or what the grand design is, other than, like, what you're saying, just keeping the property relevant. That's all. I think that's all it comes down to, you know. I mean, they're they're trying to satisfy trying to satisfy people that want more gremlin stuff. What was it? Was it the, was it Lego movie? It was one of those Lego movies. Was it, 
Is it Lego Batman that the Gremlins showed up in? I think that is correct. It was Lego Batman. Like oh. a bunch of them showed mm-hmm. up and were like attacking Batman. Yeah, it was fun as shit. I think they attacked his plane or something like that. I can't remember. It was fun though. I liked it. I liked seeing it. I I loved Lego Batman. Thought it was fantastic. Yeah, there was a lot of fun little like Warner Brothers movie Easter eggs that they did in that. Besides just the superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you hear about this the, the old guard video game? I got this from Slash Film, and like apparently like. I guess it ends tomorrow, but July 17th, 18th, and 19th, there's this old guard video game that if you play and the high score, the player that scores the most points will win 83 years of Netflix for free. 83 years? What's the significance of that? Is that something to do with the movie? I have no fucking idea. The player who scores the most points will win 83 years of free Netflix. So even as... uh, I don't know. I don't know what the significance is of that. Such a bizarre, arbitrary number. Yeah. <laughs> 83. But, I'm going to yeah. pass it down to my grandkids. The competition will be held for three days, 7, 17, 18, and 19 on oldguardgame.com. That's crazy. It's called the Immortal Netflix account. Yeah, I don't see why 83 is significant there. Like, there was no character that lived that long or anything. Oh, this this episode feels like it's taking 83 <laughs> years. <laughs> I feel 83 years old while recording this episode. I feel like this episode's lasted 83 hours. I feel like I have the mind of an 83-year-old after this episode. <laughs> yeah, that's the news this week. I did have one other story, but no, fuck it. I'm moving on. (laughs) (laughs) You can always tell when a host gives a shit. (laughs) 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 I've thrown in the towel on this episode. Waving the white flag. Yeah, man. I feel like I, 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 you know, like seriously, like there's no Mickey in my corner saying, get up, you son of a bitch. He's like, basically, he's saying, stay down. Stay, it's just, over, Brian. So, it's over. <laughs> stay it's down. More Tristan Mickey impersonation. I love it. Tristan, you did a good Mickey. <laughs> yeah, I do a couple voices. I like that. I like Tristan's Mickey. Stay down. I wonder. <laughs> Stay I can't... down, Brian. <laughs> I wonder if we can get Tristan as the new Gizmo. <laughs> oh man, Marvel news. Uh, Heat Vision reports that WandaVision series, which was originally aiming to be out uh, at around uh, year's end, so the end of this year, is now scheduled for a spring 2021 premiere. Yeah, I mean, these, this this news has been depressing these last four or five months. It's just the biggest Marvel news is constantly what's being delayed and when it potentially might come out. Too bad PCL can't be delayed. You know what I mean? Jake, wouldn't that be I'm nice? Sure we could make that happen. Oh my god! How you know what? How, what, how do we work that, man? How do we? How do we? How do we make this benefit us where we can delay these episodes? I don't have to do this shit for a few fucking weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, you can't get COVID over uh, Skype, no. so we're stuck doing it. <laughs> so is uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon, are they still coming out anytime soon? Is there a release date for that? Winter Soldier has been, uh, it's been moved. Um, 
the direct, okay, what was it? Yeah, it's been moved. Um, Screen Rant said that uh, Disney revealed the full slate of movies, TV shows, and documentaries that will be released on Disney Plus in August, but the Falcon and Winter Soldier was not included. That's originally when it was slated for. Disney and Marvel had yet to announce a specific release date for the first episode of the series. However, it was previously confirmed by CEO Bob Iger that it would arrive in August. With this delay, it remains unclear when the Falcon and Winter Soldier will arrive. Um, at present, the other series like Loki and Hawkeye have not been delayed from their spring 2021 and late 2021 target dates, though that well, that could well change. Yeah, it just all depends on when they can be allowed to start safely filming again. And I, I don't think they were done with filming Winter Soldier. I feel like, yeah, I mean, I talked with June and Paul were on a few weeks ago and June felt like it was done. I felt like they were two or three weeks away from, from wrapping, but I don't know. I would have, these are, this is shit I would have to look up. I thought that was correct. I, I know they had done a healthy amount of it, but I'm pretty sure they had to stop in the, in the middle of it and were not finished. It wasn't a Mandalorian season two situation where they were already on post-production. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, Loki, this comes from the direct.com and, uh, it was reported almost two weeks ago that Loki along with the Falcon and Winter Soldier was planning on returning to production in August. However, unlike the latter of which fans have been able to see multiple onset photos and even footage, much of Loki has been unseen. However, many rumors have already come out since production was delayed by the coronavirus outbreak, such as Kang the Conqueror appearing in the series, along with a child variant of Loki. So they're talking about Kid Loki. I've also heard, like, a female Loki. I've heard a ton of rumors. But, like, some of these rumors are coming from, like, unreliable sources, like Jeremy Conrad from Cosmic Book News. And, like, if you go on to Reddit, man, like, any time a Jeremy Conrad story comes out people are like can we stop posting these and like i see it all the time especially with we got this covered like can people stop posting we got this covered news on the site like people are getting sick of seeing these articles on like dceu leaks and mcu leaks and stuff so but anyway the showrunner michael waldron and director kate heron are implying that fans should look forward to the unexpected um director for loki kate heron seems to have backed the opinion of Loki showrunner Michael Waldron on Instagram. Both are now teasing how the show will use the sci-fi genre in unexpected ways in his Instagram post. This doesn't give away a lot, guys. So, guys, Marvel News has been slow. This doesn't give away a lot. But Waldron makes the comments about the Loki uh, TV show on, um, on Disney+. And he says... And he's talking about the logo. And he goes, I like the green nebula. It indicates that this is a science fiction sci-fi show. He goes on to describe the genre and Loki that when it comes to science fiction, expect the unexpected. And this goes on to talk about, like, you know, what does this mean? For starters, Heron doesn't add any additional comments to her own Instagram post. But the fact that she posted a screenshot of Waldron's comments indicates that she feels the same way. 
Thus far, the only thing that fans know about the show is that it will be focusing on Loki. Audiences saw escape the Tesseract during the Avengers botched heist and endgame. In a later teaser trailer, it was revealed that the Time Variance Authority would be heavily involved in the series, with Loki even being arrested by them. And I think we've heard rumors of Owen Wilson being, you know, a member of the uh, Time Variance Authority. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably most prominent of all, Kevin Feige said that Loki would link directly with Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. This is likely due to the fact that the entire show of Loki will be taking place in an alternate timeline. So, Waldron's words are correct, with Loki fans uh, should really go in expecting the unexpected. We learned nothing from that. I, I'm i just hoping that with uh, this San Diego Comic-Con at home, <laughs> I hope that we get some sort of a teaser trailer or something. Yeah, or at least if they can't produce, like, any footage, let's get some worthy interviews or some worthy talking points. You know, get some major people involved that actually know what they're going to do. Get us excited for it just by telling us maybe a little bit more. Mm. It's my understanding that Marvel's not going to be at Comic-Con, right? They're not going to have any sort of presentation. Well, I mean, DC is doing DC's doing the uh, fan DC fandom. So, yeah. they're probably not going to have anything at all. I don't know. I don't know what Marvel's plans are. Probably not. I assumed Marvel would have something. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, for some reason I came across some news, I want to say within the last week, saying that Marvel's not going to appear. But um, you would think that like during this time, that's like the only outlet that you have to get people hyped about things. But you got to... Yeah, Marvel has like their own, they've had their own kind of like thing. But like I was thinking like, excuse me, Marvel TV, I was thinking like they could do something for Marvel TV, like the Disney Plus stuff. I just didn't think like we had to get like Black Widow or, you know, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, you know, teasers and stuff like that. But like I was thinking like for Disney Plus stuff, I think it'd be a, I think Marvel could fucking own San Diego Comic Con at home if they did something. But like, but I've, so I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. There's so much uncertainty right now since you don't know when you can really just resume filming and get something out there. It's kind of like, man, you can tell me the greatest film is going to be made next year or going to come out soon. And I'm just like, yeah, let's see about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm the same way. You can talk about whatever fucking project you want to, but it's hard to get excited when, when everything is down right now. So, um, Hawkeye series news from Collider. Marvel has recruited a few directors for its Hawkeye TV series as Bert and Birdie, the female directing team behind Troop Zero. And now what Troop Zero was the Amazon Prime original movie. Neil talked about it on one of her episodes. I haven't seen it. Uh, Allison Janney's in it. Um, I'm trying to think of who else is in it. I know, uh, what's the little girl actor? Um, little blonde girl. I can't think of her name. What else is she in? Um, she was a little the, blonde girl that's in like a lot of stuff. She was in like a, a she was in the Chris Evans movie. Um, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, Mackenzie something. It's Mc, yeah, mean? Mackenzie Phillips. No, Mackenzie yeah. Phillips is from One Day at a Time. Jesus <sighs> Christ, she was she's like an Mackenzie Grace. Mackenzie Grace, yeah, yeah, yeah she's yeah. in it as well. It's a it's a, 
yeah, Troop Zero. I haven't seen it. It's, it's, I guess it's a comedy. Um, it kind of looked and felt like a Wes Anderson type film, but I haven't seen it. But anyway, uh, that's who's signed on to direct a block of episodes for this Hawkeye TV series along with Saturday Night Live Helmer Reese Thomas. Uh, Jeremy Renner will reprise his role as Clint Barton. And the series will find him mentoring a much younger archer named Kate Bishop, according according to The Hollywood Reporter, which broke the news. Haley Steinfeld had been in negotiations for that role, but it's unclear whether she ever closed the deal. And I have more information about that here in a moment. But anyway, Jonathan Igla from, I guess he was a writer on Mad Men on AMC, is writing the Hawkeye series which is part of the first wave of Marvel shows ordered by Disney Plus, along with The Falcon and Winter Soldier, WandaVision, and Loki. Hawkeye is expected to air after those three shows, so it may be a while before it hits the streaming service, especially with various delays caused by the pandemic. So we do have our directors here. Uh, I guess this Burton and Birdie, and that's not their real names. They, I guess they go by those names. I, in another article, it had like their real names. Um, but the, the directing team behind Troop Zero, and then they also got this um, uh, Reese Thomas, a Sarant Live Helmer, to direct uh, another block of episodes. Um, I did find out some inf- interesting information when it comes to Haley Steinfeld playing Kate Bishop, and this came from CBR.com this week. And they reported Haley Steinfeld no longer in talks to play Hawkeye's Kate Bishop. Uh, it goes on to say, when Marvel Studios' Hawkeye debuts on Disney+, Plus, the avenging Archer will bring his protege, Kate Bishop, along for the ride. However, a new report claims Bumblebee star Haley Steinfeld, who reportedly entered talks to play Kate back in September, is no longer involved with the series. And Derek, it was Derek Cornell, co-editor-in-chief of the Diz Insider, responded to a Twitter inquiry regarding Steinfeld's Hawkeye status, saying, she's long gone. It sounds like it just sat on the burner too long, huh? It sounds like there were talks going on. I don't know why they fell apart. I mean, it it just, they just, we don't know why they fell apart. I'm sure that might come out later. Could it be some of the controversy surrounding Jeremy Renner himself? And not wanting to be involved in this. I, I don't know. Mm. They are going to have to explain that one, you know. Well, I, not necessarily explain it, but, you know, just given the fact that, that he's going through some stuff, you would think they would have to address it at least. I think because, we'll get, we'll, we'll find out why she's not involved eventually. Like whatever movie yeah. she stars in next, they'll be like, Oh, we thought you were going to do this Hawkeye series. Whatever happened with that? Like, and she'll, she'll give us some, who knows if she'll give us the well, real fucking reason. Conflicting but, schedule. That's all yeah, she has to say. Yeah. It, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Creative, creative differences. differences. <laughs> yeah. That's another one. So. And who the fuck knows? But yeah, Haley Steinfeld. I don't know. I don't know who the fuck I would want to play Kate. God, I have no idea who that I'd want. It better, it'd probably be Catherine Langford now. We'll probably get her to fucking play Kate Bishop from Cursed. That girl. Probably get her now. She didn't play Morgan. It's not canon. Who the fuck knows who they're going to get to play Kate Bishop? Yeah. Yeah. So- you there, Jake? 
Yeah. We lost, did, it, Tristan, you there? I lost everybody. This is a fucking episode. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Tristan's back. I hear Tristan. Jake, you there? Yeah, we're... Yeah. What happened? I don't know. Fuck, I don't know. I thought I was there. I could hear everything. So yeah, I was yammering on. I couldn't hear you guys. So I was just like, I eh, just par for the course for this fucking episode. It's <laughs> <laughs> terrible, isn't it? <laughs> All right. Anyway, DC news. Um, Chris Tapley. He's the host of Netflix's The Call Sheet podcast. He talked about Matt Reeves, the Batman. And he recently tweeted, hearing the Batman picks back up in September. So they're talking about filming. And he goes on to say in the tweet, all locations scrapped, building everything in studio now. So this is going back to the days of like um, Tim Burton's Batman, where everything was built in a studio. Yeah, yeah, I read this article. So this is the big... Um, this is the big rumor now that they're going to be building this in uh, the uh, all the sets for uh, Matt Reeves the Batman due to the coronavirus. They're going to be building this. I think this could be cool though. I love the look. I love the look of Gotham and, and Tim Burton's Batman. I was I was recently watching probably just like the first twenty thirty minutes of you know Tim Burton's Batman. I think I was on DC Universe watching it or something. And I was just like, oh, my God, I love the way Gotham looks here. I had forgotten how cool Gotham looked in Tim Burton's Batman. And I, I really... I like, it. I like it. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was, it's not like I was talking, but it's cool. <laughs> You're like, I'm just killing air. So. <laughs> you, know, you know, I'm not adding anything anyway, Tristan. <laughs> See, I'm not, I think I appreciate you bailing me out. No, I was going to say that... Um, you should have been yeah, cutting me right off now. a lot more in this episode. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually shocked that it took you this long to do it. You should have been bailing me out a long time ago, man. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so I like the I like the look of Tim Burton's Gotham as well. You know, the stylish look that it had. Yeah. You can tell it was indoor, like an indoor environment set, very like, kind of like old Hollywood in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, I don't know what this style of Batman is going to be. You know, I would personally prefer that they stick to like the Chicago, like a uh, dark night situation where everything feels very real. But at the same time, I think with technology today, you can maybe make a combination of things like, you know, they can digitally change the, the sky and all that stuff to make it look more real. And so who knows? Um, I think the combination of set and practical effects and, and CGI can maybe make that look pretty cool. We'll see. I mean, I think like their hand is kind of forced right now if they want to start filming right away in September. Oh man, that technology that they use for the Mandalorian is fucking money right now. Oh, it is, it is, it is. But like, not everybody has access to that, right? Oh yeah, I I don't think anyone has access besides Lucasfilm. I think yeah, I think it's just fucking. I think it's just fucking like, um, yeah, Lucasfilm, Disney. You know, and and I know it sounds like, from what I'm hearing, they're going to be using that same technology on the Obi Wan series. Yeah. Yeah, for the same. Yeah, I'm not mad at that technology because I did. I had no idea they weren't outside when they were filming those scenes. Oh fuck no! Yeah. Oh god, yeah. I mean, it's a, and it makes actors feel like they're actually, you know, in an environment 
at that point. Yeah. You know, they're not just acting behind a green screen. They actually have something. It's not tactile, but they have something visually there that they can react to. I think it's, I think it's right. a fucking amazing technology. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It'd be great to see a lot more, you know, uh, fucking, uh, studios get a hold of this, get access to this shit. So, but, uh, I don't know. Uh, that's the rumor. Is that, uh, Batman, they're gonna start, re, you know, filming again in September and, uh, they're gonna be, they're gonna scrap all their locations and start filming indoors now in an indoor studio, which I think can look cool. Like, if you look at, like, Dick Tracy. God, remember Dick Tracy, Jake? Oh, yeah, I, I can't forget it. I love Dick Tracy. Oh, I love that movie too. I love that movie too. Warren Beatty never done a sequel. Never made a sequel, Jake. I, like, as soon as they fucking cast him, as Dick Tracy, uh, you know, I knew that he'd never done a sequel and I was like, we're never going to get a Dick Tracy too. But it was, it was, it's a fun movie. I loved it. It was a, it was like one of those summer movies, uh, 1990 that I don't know. I just thought it was fantastic. Loved it. Yeah. I, I saw it with my grandfather. I remember after seeing it going in, like going to the library and getting some of the old classic mm-hmm. comic book compilations and reading those and yeah my parents bought me like a dick tracy kind of like book where they took like all the um the newspaper uh dick tracy um uh comic strips and they put them together like back in the day kids would have to like read these from like day to day to keep up with the story they just compiled all of them together in this and they were a lot of fun i really liked Dick Tracy was fun. That was a fun summer with the toys and yeah, that was a fun, colorful gangster movie. Loved it. Yeah, they I did a great that job. Vividly. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was gonna say just all the different like really kooky villain characters. Like mm-hmm. they incorporated so many different ones. Flat top. Yeah. It kind of knew it like what it was doing. Like the silliness of Dick Tracy punching a whole like circle of guys at the same time. Like, it felt like it was pretty self-aware as opposed to, like, some of the shenanigans and, like, later Matrix movies like that. Yeah. Yeah, I just remember that whole era um, and how that movie was just everywhere. Like you said, it was in, like, the kids' meals and all that stuff and yeah. highly advertised. And, and you couldn't escape it that summer. No, you couldn't. It was yeah. all over the fucking place. That, yeah. I think they had a Dick Tracy cereal. I don't remember oh, sure the cereal. Did. Let me I Google th- that. I You're think they right, did. Though, but I don't remember that. They might not have. I don't know. I feel like they did. And his name was Dick. That was fun. You think it was a bunch of penis-shaped uh, cereal pieces? It was, yeah, it was, it was a cock cereal. <laughs> Pretend the milk was just fucking cum. <laughs> <laughs> That's a load. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jake. <laughs> I mean, you might as well go all in with the Tracy cereal. That's, that's what it said on the box. Add milk, pretend it's cum. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, Mom. I'm eating a bunch of dicks and drinking cum. <laughs> Not sure how this promotes the movie, but... It, it wasn't a decoder ring that you got in the box either. Oh my God, Jake! Why, why haven't you been bringing that this entire episode? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Jesus my Christ! At the end. That was fucking beautiful, sir. Pretend it's come. Oh my God! 
Oh, oh man. <laughs> there was not a Dick Tracy cereal, but there obviously should have been. There should have been, and you should have pretended that that milk was fucking cum. That should have been jizz milk, sir. Oh, my God. That was beautiful. Thank you. Finally. I think we should end it right now. That was just so fucking good. I fucking, that was the joke of the episode. I feel like I need to. Loved st- having you on, Tristan. This was a good <laughs> This is fun, man. <laughs> it's worth a three and a half hour wait to get to that joke. Jesus Christ. I don't know. I feel like this is like the, I needed a Snickers this episode. I feel like, I feel like every fucking one. Yeah, I don't feel like myself this episode. I need a Snickers or something. Danny Trejo did one of those fucking commercials. They brought it up in the documentary. It was really funny. It was Marsha Brady, right? Marsha Brady, yeah. That was a funny one. I remember the, the, the fucking Betty White one was funny, too. I like that one, too. Yeah. <sighs> Noah Centennial. This news comes from THR. I've got just two more stories left here, guys. Noah Centennial broke out uh, with uh, To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Uh, that's a Netflix movie. He's joining Dwayne Johnson in Black Adam, New Line's Shazam spinoff based on the popular DC anti-hero. <sighs> Centennial will play Adam Smasher, a character who can control his molecular structure and is able to manipulate his size and strength. The character has appeared on screen before in an episode of CW's The Flash. I... This fucking, this Noah Centennial kid is, he's the guy that they cast in the live action He-Man movie that has kind of like halted right now. Don't really know the status on that one. Last news story I saw on that one came about, came out about a month ago and, and nobody really knows what's going on with this live action He-Man. And I'm not talking about, it's not, I'm not confusing it with the, Kevin Smith He-Man animated series that Netflix is doing. That is still going forward as far as I know. I... I don't... I am not happy with this casting. I'm not blown away by this kid. I think he's fine for like the rom-com shit that they had on, on Netflix. The To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Fun, cute movie. I just don't see him as He-Man. And I don't see him fucking as, I don't know. I just don't see this kid. I don't, whatever Hollywood. The Rock. I mean, that, that's, yeah. that's a, that's hard to do. Well, whatever, whatever Hollywood sees in this kid and, and his stock right now, it feels like it's rising. And I don't know why. I'm just not, uh, maybe I don't see, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he'll be an awesome He-Man. You know, like they t- there's articles on him and his workout routine and how he's getting fit for He-Man. And like, maybe he's going to be a great Atom Smasher. I don't fucking know. But like, from what I've seen from him, he seems like a fine actor that should be relegated to like these Netflix rom-coms. I've seen nothing else from him to make me think that he can like, yeah, star alongside the Dwayne, the Rock Johnson. I don't know, Jake. I'm just not. No, I'm right there with you. I, I kind of have nothing to add. I mean, it's we've been talking about this movie forever. If they're going to make an announcement, you'd expect it to be something that would wow me a bit more than this. I, I also agree that I'm not too thrilled about him playing He-Man. I, yeah, I don't know. This does nothing to get me more excited for the Black Adam. And I, to be honest, I, 
I've kind of waned off being excited at all for this project until we kind of get a little bit closer to maybe some actual filming here. Like we've just been talking about this one forever. Yeah. Yep. I, think I feel like we were in my some... basement talking about this movie. <laughs> I think this kid has some parents with connections. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like paying them off. Yeah. Have you, have, have, have you, Tristan, have you seen to all the boys I've loved before? No. He's done a couple of Netflix of these cute Netflix rom-coms and they're fine. Like I, to all the boys I loved before it was a cute movie. I, you know, I liked it, but man, there was nothing in that that made me think to myself like, Oh fuck, really want to see this kid, you know, uh, be the next live action, you know, Prince Adam slash He-Man or I want to see him play, um, Adam Smasher or any, or any character in the DC universe for that matter. I, 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 I don't feel like he has the chops to, to be a movie star. I don't feel like he has the chops to be a movie star. But I don't, who knows? I could be wrong. I, I could, you know, at, at one time, it's like you look back at, um, actors like Army Hammer, who I think Army Hammer is a fine Hollywood actor. I think he's a good actor. And people might not like everything that he's ever said in social media and how, that's fine. I'm just saying, I think Army Hammer's a good actor, but like, where did Army Hammer really start? He started doing television from what I remember. I remember watching him in the second season of Reaper. He was just a TV actor. And then he goes on to do like the, you know, the Facebook movie, the, the social network. And then he goes on to do other, you know, Lone Ranger, which wasn't a huge hit, but like, he's a Hollywood. He's, a, and then, you know, he did, um, the movie with, oh God, I'm trying to think. It was like the independent film. With, uh, Timothy Chalamet. But anyway, like, um, call me by your name, call me by your name, which got a ton of, yeah, awards and stuff like that. Like, like Army Hammer's like a, I just don't, I, I don't see this Noah Centennial being like of the caliber of like a, of like an Army Hammer. So I don't know. Army Hammer being rumored in a recent 4chan link to be talked about. They were talking about him playing, uh, Hawkman. In the DCEU is like the 4chan link that I was reading recently. A listener sent me. I like that casting. <laughs> I think it's good. If, yeah, the, if it's, it's true. It's a shame he's not getting more gigs. I, I didn't really know that it had to do with maybe the way he was on social media. I hadn't heard any stuff like that. Yeah, there, I guess there is some. I, I mean, I don't dig too much into it. I, I try not to get like too wrapped up in like the social media drama and what everybody's saying all the time. But um, yeah, I'm not sure what the politics are, but Hollywood has been pushing him for some time. You can tell they believed in him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Trying to get him to catch fire. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's. I think he's a fucking pretty good actor. Yeah. Yeah. Army Hammer was originally cast as Batman in George Miller's Justice League that never took off. I mean, they had pictures of them. I think there's a picture of them out there with the suits on. Yeah, there's one photo with the the whole cast. Yeah, was it was it DJ Katrona? Was was he was he Superman? Oh, I can't remember the entire cast. I just remember I think like Common was like Green Lantern. Or something. Yeah, Common was Green Lantern. DJ Katrona was um, Superman. And what's interesting though is like. He ended up playing one of the kids 
uh, he ended up playing one of the in Shazam. He put, ended up playing like part of that team that they put together at the end of that movie. So he got mm-hmm. to play a DC character, and the other one, the other actor, uh, was cast as the Flash in George Miller's Justice League, and then he played one of those Shazam kids as an adult in that Shazam film. That's like the consolation prize to just yeah, a pretty much. Of a <laughs> it felt like it, it felt like an Easter egg, you know, like yeah. oh yeah, remember George Miller's, you know, Justice League movie that never happened. They cast DJ right. Katrona and this other guy. Well, now they get to play fucking, you know, side characters in the Shazam movie at the end of the movie for five seconds. How how lucky. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I couldn't ma- DJ Katrona is fucking huge They showed him and he was also in that fucking uh, What was that movie? The Jason Statham Dwayne Johnson movie Oh, Hobbs and Shaw? Hobbs and Shaw, he was in that movie He's fucking huge I don't remember him being that big And he got huge He's fucking Jack now Jesus Christ I'm just talking to myself. All right. Anyway, <laughs> you guys don't know. I didn't know yeah. what to say. He's huge. There's nothing to say. He's just fucking huge. He just looks like he looks like, instead of Dick Tracy cereal. He's eating fucking steroid cereal or something in the morning. He's just fucking <laughs> huge. And he's and, and the milk. It, he does pretend it's cum, Jake. Oh yeah, yeah. That doesn't change. <laughs> We're done. Fuck this shit. I'm fucking done. How's that sound? Star Wars news. Jake, you got Star Wars news guy and got shit. I didn't write none down. No, there ain't nothing important. I mean, they announced the Bad Batch new animated series, which is based off of a storyline that was in the last season of Clone Wars, the first four episodes. Um, I'll definitely watch that. I'm excited to see that. I'd be more excited to have a new animated property that was going to explore something that hasn't been explored before, though. Like, there's so many interesting time periods that we haven't mined with the animated stuff that I'd be way more interested in seeing. Jake, like, I, I still you literally sound like every fan out there, and I agree with you. Like, that's what everyone's been asking for. Like, Filoni just doesn't know how to let go of Clone Wars. Yeah. He's I mean, just I always exploding. He does good stuff, but give me some in-between Return of the Jedi Force Awakens stuff. I think that's the area that people would really love to see some expanded universe stuff in. It's just, he just can't let, it's like he can't let go of Rebels was wrapping up storylines in Clone Wars and now you've got like just a new thing here that's going to be kind of like another spinoff of basically the Clone Wars. It's just the same, you know, I don't know. He made it sound like so um, finalized when we saw this last season of Clone Wars too, that it almost feels like a lie. Like he was like, Oh, there's never going to be any more episodes of Clone Wars, but here's this new series that could literally still be episodes of Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think every fan out there was like, let's just get, can we just get a new story? Can we get something new? And then we get this and who knows? I don't know. I mean, I just feel like Filoni just can't, I feel like Filoni has to like cross, you know, Every T and dot every I before he can move on to something new. Yeah, yeah. I'm just praying that it's not going to affect Mandalorian season two. His desire to always do that too much. 
Oh fuck! It looks I like mean, it's already crossing over. It's totally crossing oh, yeah. over. Oh yeah, but I mean, let's. Uh, it, to what extent is yet to be seen? I mean, we're getting a Sokotano played by Rosario Dawson, which I think is cool, and it could lead into a, an Ahsoka live action TV series. Which I'm pretty, you know, if I'm a betting man, I'm thinking that's going to get announced. I think like, I think I think it'll happen. Um, yeah, they'll use this to test the waters. Yeah, and see what the reception to the character. And it'll is. be huge, and it'll be positive, and then we'll get an Ahsoka Tano TV series. Um, but yeah, um, I think that's the reason why they didn't cast um, Ashley Eckstein as Ahsoka because I think they're looking to see if you know they can actually make a, a series with big star power here. Well, she's got. I mean, she's got the time now. Her series on USA got canceled. That Briar Patch. Mm, yeah. Just, yeah, USA just recently canceled that. So she's got the time. I mean, yep. can somebody cancel us, Jake? Can that happen? Can we get canceled? Yeah, yeah, just maybe iTunes will cancel us. But we're still available on other platforms. Like, I just want to be canceled completely. I know, it's <laughs> fucking cancel culture, and we of all people can't get canceled. I can't, like, get canceled, and then you gotta listen to this fucking garbage this week. Jesus Christ. <laughs> It's fucking terrible. <laughs> People waited three hours for Jake to compare milk to cum. I mean, that that's basically what this episode came down to. <laughs> At least there was a payoff. You should just put the timestamp in the description for that. Yeah, just <laughs> listen to this and then just call it a goddamn day. A turn emoji followed by a I don't, well, I don't. I just don't know how to fucking get on here and be excited for this week's news. It's fucking, you know what I mean? Yeah, we've never been ones to be like fake excited and happy about stuff. And it just, every week the news just gets harder to even remotely give a shit. Yeah, I commend you guys for, for sticking through all this because it's difficult. And I see other, other outlets struggling to have news shows as well, you know, shows that are just primarily news. And, and it's getting to the point where it's ridiculous where people are just like, okay, let's uh, talk about our favorite Bruce Willis film. Okay, go, you. You know, it's like people are just, you have to pull shit out of your ass to find out, to just make things relevant right now as far as news is concerned. I don't know. And I just, I just, I don't know. I dropped the ball this episode. I just don't feel, yeah, I, I, I don't feel like myself. And it's just like, it's just been a shit fuck week. So fuck, fuck this fucking week. I can't wait to fucking put it behind me. It's not you, Tristan. I just can't wait to put this fucking week behind me and just move on. Hopefully next week will be different. It will be better. I doubt it. I think it's all going to go to shit from here. It's all hey, going to shit. Think, who do you think is having a good year in 2020? Oh, my God. Fucking hermits? Netflix? Yeah, Netflix is a good answer. Yeah, but even them, even them, they're buying stuff up and they're not able to film anything new. They're going to hit a lull. It's going to happen. You're going to see a lull hit with Netflix. And they release so much shit every week, too. Like, I, yeah, like, you're right. Like, eventually it's going to be back to where they started, you mm -hmm. know, where it's going to be like one movie a couple every couple weeks or so. Or they're going to, it's going to hit a lull and it's yeah. going to be late this year, early next year where... We're not, I mean, and, but we might see like a fucking shit fuck ton of like animated stuff come out. Right. I feel like yeah. that's where, you know, I think, I think like that's where it's going to be the easiest to start 
know, getting stuff moving again is with the animated stuff. Animators can do stuff at home and, and you could probably do voice acting remote, remotely if you need to, but. Yeah, I, I think know. like Spider-Verse 2 is like still moving full steam ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I'm very excited to see what they're going to do with that. Oh, man. Oh, I'm excited to see what we do next episode, Jake. Ooh, after this episode, ooh, I can't wait. Sky's the limit. Can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) That could have gone on 12 more seconds, and I would have been here for it. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. All right. (laughs) Cannot wait. Next week, going to be... What the fuck are we talking about next week? Let me see. Yeah, let, yeah. Let's see what bullshit we gotta watch next. Oh, let's see what shit I gotta watch next week. You better watch something, Jake. I'm gonna fucking flip out on you. Yeah, I'm down. Are you watching anything right now, Jake? Or is it like a show like your go-to that you? Mm, not really. No. 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 Not. Not really. I haven't really watched too much TV lately, or I can't think of any thing i've been watching weekly at all you yeah. sure as fuck ain't bringing it up on here <laughs> <laughs> i i was i was hoping that that cursed was going to be something that i'd want to yeah. maybe binge or plow through I hear after one episode i was like yeah i'm not watching nine more episodes of this uh, i guess there's a show called was it next week's gonna be 343 there's a show called tig and seek on hbo max Oh god! And then Shutter has uh, a movie called Impedigore. The Sundance Twenty. Oh Jesus Christ! Next week's gonna suck too, people. Just fucking, you know what? Just fucking unsubscribe at this point. I would. Jesus Christ! Unsubscribe PCL. You got the fucking host telling you to leave. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Oh my God. Yeah. Just, hey, let me clarify. Um, I'm one of the listeners though that does listen to the end every time. So I, add well, me to that list. I appreciate it. The only reason you're forced to do it this week is because you were on the episode. <laughs> I think like if you weren't on this episode, you would have dropped off a long time. I would have. Yeah. The problem with this is I can't do it at two times speed. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's fucking hilarious man thank you i do want to thank you though tristan i love having you on man you're like you're one of my favorite fucking people and you're one of the people on, on an episode if i do give you too much shit you do stand up to me you don't tuck your dick between your legs and you know what I mean? You fucking, you fuck, you stand there. Hey man, mama didn't raise no bitch. You, mama didn't raise no bitch and you stand there and you got that, you got, uh, you got your balls out and you're fucking, swinging, you're like, man. You're swinging, swing. you're swinging and you're like, fuck you, Brian, <laughs> you fucking piece of shit. It's like a pendulum. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a goddamn <laughs> pendulum. <laughs> <laughs> oh man no i love having you on tristan really appreciate hey, it I, I love being on actually you know i don't i know you guys talk shit about the episodes but even on the shitty episodes i have a good time all right i'm glad that you did yeah that makes one of us right yeah <laughs> one one out of three. Oh my god i wish you know you ever see what was it 
What's uh, what's uh, fucking uh, Will Arnett in Arrested Development when he would he would he would he would like roofie himself so he would forget? <laughs> Not a bad idea, dude. I wish I could roofie the fuck out of myself this episode so that I wake up tomorrow and none of this ever happened. But <laughs> if it was like Groundhog's Day and you just kept waking up and having to record this over? Oh, not again? this, not this day. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. <sighs> Guys, we'll be back next week with probably more crap and just another as terrible episode. So look forward to that. But thank you, Tristan, for joining us on this journey of shit. Anytime. All right, Jake. Thank you. Oh yeah, anytime. I'm gonna take. I. <laughs> I take. I take. Most nights, I take. I take like a Tylenol PM and a couple melatonin and a Benadryl because of my allergies this time of year. And it's a lot of shit that makes me fall asleep. And I do make the joke that one day I'm going to take all of them and I'm going to call it my forever sleep. <laughs> is that dark? I, I want to take that seriously and say, please don't. Is, is that is that so dark, Jake? Ending with the big laughs here. No, like I've made the joke to family and friends that one day I will take my forever sleep and I, I, <laughs> I will just take them all and never wake up and I will call it my forever sleep. Like I've, like I've literally named the event. Like it's, <laughs> is that fucked up? <laughs> It's both fucked up and mildly humorous. I can't help myself. For, forever sleep 2020. <laughs> You've made something that shouldn't be appealing. Sound kind of appealing with that name. I know. It's just like, it's like, I love sleeping. And like, if I fucking fall asleep and never wake up, I won't know. I just won't know. You I was did- just thinking about this this morning, how I don't know why. But like I was thinking, like man, like just going out in your sleep when mm. you're an old man—that's that's the way to do it, right? Man, that's fucking—that's the shit right there. That's a dream, dude. Fucking just go to bed one night and just not wake up. Oh fuck, fuck that that al- that you, that alarm that you set. <laughs> <laughs> that annoying fucking alarm just going off. <laughs> that alarm. Someone's gonna have to shut it off. So, eventually. Yeah. Eventually, if they, if they can get get past the smell, because who knows how long I've been sleeping. Hey, but here, if there's no one alive to hear it, does it make a sound? That's true. That's true. Oh my the god, dog's just gonna go crazy. Oh, my dog's probably gonna be eating me because I hadn't fed him. I haven't fed him any alpo in a while because I'm dead. Dog's, <laughs> and dog's gonna be eating my face. <laughs> <laughs> that got time dark. To, time to give this episode the forever sleep. Oh man, <laughs> my forever sleep. It's not a joke. I, bring, I, I, it is a joke. It is a joke. But I do bring it up to friends and family to fuck with them a little bit. My forever sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I mean, I sleep so good on that Tylenol PM, though. Oh, my God. 
I do. Oh, yeah. I, I can't take that stuff unless I'm off the next day or I'm just so groggy when I get up. Oh, man. I'll take a Tylenol PM, two melatonin, and then a Benadryl and fucking just turn the world off. Fuck all of you. Fuck this entire <laughs> world. I'm out. I'm out like a little. I'm out like a light. <laughs> <laughs> I don't take any more than that, though. And I'm not taking Ambien. Ambien, you do a bunch of fucked up shit. I don't know. Maybe if I were to take an Ambien this episode, it would have turned out really good. Yeah, I mean, it couldn't have got worse. Oh, God, yeah. Couldn't have gotten any worse. Well, look at look at Roseanne. Yeah, yeah good call. Yeah. <laughs> it could get worse. It could definitely get worse. <laughs> We don't want our candid versions coming out. Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Guys, just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. See ya. Later, y'all. Later. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over. Counterculture push over. Pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. That original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and the shaft of crap, even though we're the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the poor kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushed over. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftover. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.